0: Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks the Movie Appreciation Podcast that plays favorites. I am Carl Hartley.
0: And I am Max Peterson. And I love that right before you did it for real, you said it perfectly correctly. And then on the take, you changed it to movie again. I, but I love it. Though. What is
1: it? What is it supposed it's to be? It's
0: Film Appreciation. And you even did it. It's it's Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring Flicks. The Film Appreciation Podcast that plays <laughs> favorites.
1: Fuck it. We watch movies. No yeah, bro. We, films.
0: Fi- yeah, actually, since we're talking about Scorsese, this may be the only time it's appropriate to actually say film
1: uh go support on patreon mashup rock and roll musical in the traverse city region we just finished a two weekend run of a midsummer night's california dreaming we mashed up uh a midsummer night's dream with beach boys mamas and the papas two exhausting weekends of running around (laughs) like a crazy person and singing and and, (laughs) and pretending like i was fucking 19 again but uh that my recommendation if you can't do that I would say like whatever region you are in whatever your local sort of community seek them out it might not be the big one that you know like stage m or or old town playhouse support those too but there might be a couple out there that are getting maybe a little bit less attention that are doing some amazing things so my recommendation is go seek out some folks in your area that are doing some cool shit and support them,
0: dude. Absolutely, we always support local theater and uh, indie creators for sure. Being indie creators ourselves, indie that's podcasters. the only <laughs> thing that I had on
1: my mind because I haven't had time to do fucking anything. How did like, it go?
0: How, really briefly. How was man, how was oh mashup? My. Was it a fucking blast dude, like always? The
1: run up was really was really challenging because we're creating as we go. Right, that's part of the thing of mashup. It's not like there's a thousand other companies that have done this show and there's sort of like a framework for how to do it this is us all like putting it together ourselves and creating moments and blocking and the whole thing but dude man the as hard as it was in the lead up it was fucking incredible i think it's probably the best thing that mashup has done and we were in the space that parallel 45 did their season so the brand new amphitheater that's at the civic center so we right. got to use all of their really cool high-tech shit <laughs> and it was just i got to i got to play around with micah and Kristen and and my buddy liam just and the list goes on and on katie whip just the, everyone just the whole cast and of course leslie and tony the masterminds behold behind the whole thing even when you're like i don't know if this is gonna work leslie this sounds a little bit sounds a little crazy and then you're doing it and people are dying in the audience because you're loving it so much you're like all right i'm just I'm hands off, man. Y'all are the genie this shit. <laughs> you, just... you got to hang out with Hunter too. Like, like, oh my some god, band, dude. Some future bandmates
0: and, you're, and you're whatnot. S- the, so. You're saying the names of so many people that I miss so much. I know. Uh, I cannot. And they wait miss to... you
1: too, and on the show, I'll say they've all mentioned you and asked after you and your mom a 1000 times during during production. So you are well thought of and and well. Uh, all the hugs have, have we coming your way for many many weeks oh my through god that, thank through that you whole team,
0: Dude, so thank you and thank you to i've gotten a lot of like the like dms and emails and personal messages yes. as well thank you everybody um for all the love and support it's been it's been a hell of a year but and um, everyone's
1: ready for our next project we have we won't we won't need to like like uh do a casting call really we'll just like Everyone's ready to do something, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm
0: so glad. Like, like I'm you so and, glad. You
1: and Carl, you Max and Carl, are doing something. Like just let us know. We'll do it. Like whatever it is. Good man. <laughs> so. That's
0: that's what I love to hear. And I can't wait to start getting to actually go out in the world and play in the real world sandboxes again too. I miss. Mm-hmm. I, miss, I miss, I've missed all of you so much, and I've missed all the projects. Um, but it's also been good you to might. have you know have the family time as well. Absolutely. Um. So let's talk about someone who's having a worse year than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woo. This, this dude is having a rough few months. Let me tell you. Oh my
0: god, no shit. So uh, I'm sorry, I, I just forgot. We'll do that. We, I would like to shout out the patrons briefly. Oh, then we'll definitely. dive on in, just so we don't have to, so we don't forget them at the end. We'll put them up top where they belong in the place of honor. Um, we would like to extend a massive thank you. And if you'd like to be part of this list and be part of the people who we love and are grateful to, you already are. But you could also give us money at <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/Quill and Film. Q U I L L a N D F I L M. Um, we would love to thank Casey Scheibe, John Scheibe, William Rockwood, Adanielli Hartelli, Connor Sweeney, Kelly, and Mike Wagner. By the way, um, Kelly, I got your message on Patreon. I haven't been super active on there lately, kind of, you know, doing my thing at home, but thank you so much for that email. That really meant a lot to me. Um, Brian Jackson, Sarah Hartley, Jeffrey Tate Morgan. God, we got to get in touch with that guy, too, because I want to yeah. shoot some stuff with him. I miss the old man. He morning.
1: also shoots. I'm doing a bunch of voiceover work for uh, a Minecraft movie that his son is making. Oh, my God. So I'll... He'll oh, Ben is here. Yeah. I,
0: I love every single thing about what you just said.
1: Yeah, every word that I said <laughs> as I was saying it got more and more juicy and awesome. So. I know it was
0: just it was just like this mountain of excellence. I'm like yes, yeah. <laughs> and his son Minecraft voiceover. Um, <laughs> we would love to thank uh, Kevin Ramirez over on the East Coast, Cassandra down on the South Dumpster Fire, uh, K- <laughs> Katie Sorry Clark. about your luck. Cassandra. Yeah, Cassandra, <laughs> we love you and. I swear to you, I have headspace. I will one. We are definitely doing Ryan Gosling month next. So after we're done with these Cage movies, you got a oh, you got a month of Gosling coming at you, hot and hot too. Month it's Ryan Gosling, um, and I will get back to you. And we will fucking talk about the faculty. I am so sorry, Cassandra. I love you.
1: Do we each get to pick one then? In Gosling month, that would be cool.
0: I think we've got four picked, but yeah, dude. Like if you want to shuffle anything, we ha- absolutely have to do half Nelson no matter what because she sent I'm- us the DVD. I'll like, be the
1: guest on that particular <laughs> uh, run episodes, anyways. Like, let's I,
0: just yeah, we'll good. we'll reach out, but yeah, we'll, we got to get some Ryan Gosling in her ear. She's been it's five years in the making, Carl. For God's sake, fair. Um, that's fair. We would love to thank Katie Clark, Leslie Ty. Congratulations on Mashup Rock and Roll Musical. Sounds like that shit went a okay. Uh, shout out to Baloney Shoes. Kristen stewart and micah maybe uh two other people involved in mashup and uh i heard I well
1: brian jackson was also like a key role (laughs) he was actually incredible and had a bit where he (laughs) ate something really weird we got to go out in front of the stage like and mill for a couple of minutes before Uh the show he always bought like a new weird couple of chili dogs or a bucket of chicken or like a giant (laughs) like two and a half foot long submarine sandwich at the top of every fucking show. And like we just Brian,
0: walk around and eat it, eh?
1: Just walk around and eat it or offer chicken to people in the <laughs> audience. Like, <laughs> like you are a weird dude, and I Oh, I fucking love you. Anyways, I keep derailing because I haven't seen you. you or talk to you. It's no, that's
0: fine. I do it, too. Um, Chris and Stuart and Micah, maybe. I want to shout them out. Uh, Harp Star Photography. I keep yep. hearing about Harpstar in the wild. I was at my vet's office yeah, the other day.
1: Yeah, man. It's wild.
0: Yeah, I can I can vouch for their <laughs> photographic work from personal experience. Uh, Kristen has shot us. I think yeah. a couple times, and then Micah and Kristen shot. Our
1: thumbnail is all her work.
0: Right, that yeah, the face. Our
1: split face. That's a thousand percent. She did rhinoplasty on her nose. Yes. She did some like she learned new shit to make that happen.
0: That the image that has upset and disturbed yes. so many of you for so many years <laughs> comes from the wonderful Email, mind. Harp star. <laughs> and we'd love to thank Mariah Rosado. Mariah, get well soon. I've been watching your social mm. media. I'm feeling for you, girl. I miss you. Get well so I can come visit you in Chicago. All right. But we're not talking about Chicago. We are talking about, quote, New York City in the, quote, early 90s. We are talking today about 1999's Bringing Out the Dead.
2: Visionary director Martin Scorsese, the guiding godlike hand behind such unimpeachable masterworks as Raging Bull, Casino, Goodfellas, The Departed, The Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, Cape Fear, Gangs of New York, Kunda, and The Last Temptation of Christ, with the Willem Dafoe one? The Last Temptation with Willem Dafoe? That was good. That was Scorsese. Fuck. This guy makes a hell of a movie. And he's done it again with Bringing Out the Dead. The story of I.B. Bangin', legendary frontman of goth club legends, Oscar and the Little Gold Men, intravenous butts. Hi there, did you did you just
0: say intravenous butts?
2: Yeah, I.B. Bangin', I.B. I looked it up, don't interrupt me. Intravenous butts must battle his girlfriend's seven evil exes for a suitcase full of drugs before powerful mob kingpin Marcellus Wallace wraps him in a gimp suit and blows his nuts off with a big old shotgun. It's a sexy, non-stop rump rump and roaring good time starring John Goodman and that guy from Vampire's Kiss. Nominated for thirty-eight Oscars, it was not. It was it was not
0: nominated for any Oscars at all. We talk about it in the episode. What? No Oscar nominations. And there's only 24 categories anyway, so... And also, everything you've said so far is completely wrong.
2: No Oscar nominations, huh? Nope. Alright. My God. Bayaka. Cintravenous Butts Bangin is a taxi driver with a very particular set of skills and nothing to lose but the adorable puppy his wife left him when Joe Pesci crushed her head in a vice. Until one day, two mindless goons from the Academy kill his dog and steal his badass black Mustang, prompting an adrenaline-fueled mission of revenge. The Black Plague's got shit on I.B. Bangin. He's bringing out the dead.
0: Oh my god, dude. Uh, directed. Oh. Let me run through this. The yeah, cast. And like, oh my God. Mar- directed by Martin Scorsese, who also plays the voice of the male dispatcher, who's like yep. uh uh, old, uh elderly woman on Broadway Avenue reports unusual smell. No further information. <laughs> no
1: further information.
0: <laughs> um, we got Nicolas Cage as Frank Pierce, Patricia Arquette as Mary Burke, John Goodman as Larry, Ving Rhames as Marcus, Tom Sizemore. Wow, dude, Tom Sizemore in this movie. As Tom Wells.
1: I was gonna say Tom Sizemore as Tom Sizemore.
0: Uh basically, yeah. And Mark Anthony, um, as Noel and no, I didn't realize
1: that oh, was fucking Mark Anthony until the credits rolled. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Dude, I
0: didn't get it until like almost done with the movie. It's like because I he was familiar the whole time. I'm like, Yeah.
1: I'm like, why do I know this guy? I know
0: this. I'm trying to think of other movies, but then I was like, wait a minute, I've seen him on stage. That mm. dude is oh my god. I've, I've got his some of his clothing Wild. line upstairs. Makes really excellent uh sweaters. But yeah, it
1: makes a really excellent character actor.
0: I can't believe he's shockingly good in this. Once yeah. especially once you realize who it is. I always have that little bias when you get musicians like I hate I hate that I do, but I do. Yeah. I, I'm trying you know. to break out of it as well. But you do the thing where you're like, Oh, we're, oh. G- we're gonna act now. Oh, huh? Billy Joel's
1: voicing a dog in the newest Disney movie, <laughs> that can't be good. Okay, Oliver and Company's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Billy Joel's <laughs> brilliant. Like sorry.
0: Or like any time, like Lady Gaga showing up in American Horror Story, and you're like, "Wow, this is gonna be terrible." And then you're like, "Wow, she what
1: the fuck? She yeah. might be
0: the fucking best part of this." Oh my god! But
1: then there there is always the flip side of that coin because we also had Adam Levine in American Horror Story and was fucking garbage. That's
0: true. So. That is true. There's a reason that we are a little gun shy of singers yeah, in our movies. there's
1: a reason. <laughs> it's not unfounded. Though.
0: Um, and I also I have to shout out Mary Beth Hurt as Nurse Constance just because of her hilarious role in this movie. Oh, yeah, what you, you just uh, went out and shot yourself full of poison and died. And then now you want us to fix you up so you can go out tomorrow night and buy more poison. Do me a favor. Next time your heart stops, do it in another city. Dude,
1: you know, it's like that character to me felt like the most real of all of them because, I mean, I've never worked in a trauma. I've never worked in the ER, but I have many, many friends that have gone through, like, nursing school. Mm-hmm. And even after just, like, the first year of being an actual nurse or in the thing and like working your first like you know <laughs> 72 hour shift it's like oh the amount of salt yes de- like develops <laughs> yeah. the amount of rind oh my oh like, yeah it's a very fast it's a thick callus quick, it's yeah, a it's yeah. a thick
0: callus you develop in like your so they first imagine
1: this person's probably been doing it for like 28 years oh in in brooklyn or whatever like seen some shit yeah. Where the ho- I don't and, think that's inaccurate And oh my
0: god dude the hospital she works in Is like it's called like Misery General Or like yeah. Saint Misery or whatever
1: Yeah it's yeah
0: Oh, uh, And then finally Cliff Curtis as the drug dealer Cy Coates that is that What a weird turn that movie takes. It,
1: yeah, there is one. I believe it's an uncredited quote because we have two dispatch voices that we hear and never see. One is Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And the woman that Ving Rames is always trying is to Queen get with. Latifah? Is it Queen Latifah? It's Queen Latifah. Yes, yeah. I fucking knew it. Yep, okay, sure all is. right.
2: Yep, I'm
1: like, man, that voice is so familiar. And then I looked, uh, <laughs> did a drill down a little bit on, on her IMDb. And I'm like, one, I remembered that I have to watch Set It Off again. And two, I saw that she was the voice uncredited for... Um,
0: the dispatcher. There, she. I saw in the trivia that she was in it, but I didn't remember what role she was in because she's listed as one of the Oscar-nominated actors in this. There's a ton yeah. of them, by the way. Speaking of like Oscar, everybody, almost everyone like, in here has got at least a nod, and several of them it. are winners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i also like there's there's some cool connections here so nicholas cage and ving rames are reuniting once again we saw them last time in yep, uh, con air, air. Yep. and now we've also got nicholas cage back with john goodman which mm-hmm. uh, raising arizona from season it's one
1: been almost a decade since they worked together that was like early mid 80s right for raising I, arizona
0: i am not 100 positive i think raising arizona was a 90s flick
2: Well, I am 100% positive that Raising Arizona was made in 1987, so I think it's time we talked about me getting my scotch budget and the keys to the company car back.
0: Yeah, they're somewhere in that neighborhood, and they have great chemistry together. They really do.
1: It's insane. It really is. And it's a totally different relationship than the one they have in Raising Arizona, but there are also these moments when they're riding together where it feels like you could pluck that and drop... Drop it in raising Arizona, yes. and it would work.
0: <laughs> With the the thing I liked best about, uh, and let's just dive in and kind of talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my because favorite... I have
1: a lot of like general feelings about Agreed. this movie, like a lot of macro sort of not macro, yeah, very big like big yeah. picture thoughts about this because we could spend literally, Max, you and I could deep dive every su- every single fucking ride along, every single call, yes. every single. This movie is. Um, I don't want to say it like it's damn near
0: perfect. I, you, I would like... you can you can feel comfortable saying that the legendary Roger Ebert gave this movie a perfect score. And okay. you know well. what? So Martin Scorsese's films from the '90s are maybe the most famous part of his oeuvre. You know, mm-hmm. like Raging Bull is an 80s film, but yep. in the 90s from him, we get Casino. This was his last film from the 90s. This was... right. This, uh,
1: this came out in 98, 99 or something, right? Uh, yeah, this but one it came out towards at, the end of the...
0: This one is 99. Actually, this and I can't remember what the other one is, but this was the last movie... Al- oh, Sleepy Hollow. This and Sleepy Hollow are the last two movies to be released in uh, on Laserdisc. Okay, yeah, so like, like, wait
1: a minute, that's a Tim Burton <laughs> flick. No, Maxwell. No, it's you check it, check your movie.
0: No, no, no. Before. This is a Texas. It's a no. This is a poltergeist situation. We think it's Tim Burton, but, right. actually, but actually it was Martin Scorsese's Sleepy Hollow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, in order, or, uh, in Goodfellas is ninety. Casino is ninety five. Cape Fear's ninety one. Age of Innocence is ninety three. He's working hard. Kundun is ninety seven, and then Jesus. finally he wraps out the last his last film of the twentieth century, bringing out the dead. So. What bothers me a little bit is that of all the movies that he released in that, that decade, this is the only film that got no Oscar nominations whatsoever. And I don't – I think that that's can, a slight.
1: It, it, man, Scorsese kind of got slighted by the Academy anyways. I mean, that, there was a whole thing when he when he finally got the statue for um, Departed. yeah there was that whole kerfuffle of it's about to, they almost, they almost try to like, you know, not take that away from him, but like, well, that was a gimme Oscar because he's done all these Oscar worthy ones and never won. So that was like the movie they decided to like, no, have you seen the fucking departed? Departed is also, yeah, (laughs) it's totally, it's
0: totally deserves it. But It's,
1: but but it's so wild that not only does bringing out the dead, not get any sort of like Oscar, whispers at all from cast from you know for, production yeah, for from cast anything. or
0: production or like the way this but was shot did, dude cinematography
1: fucking, i mean goodfellas may i think they got nominated for um uh, i think ray Liotta got nominated and i think robert de niro got nominated for like best actor best sporting actor. right right but, like tends to like scoot under the raid i don't know why that is
0: it's like the leo thing where like they he gets he finally gets his oscar nomination for the revenant and everyone right. everyone's kind of going like well okay well, of course, they because... nominated him because he should have been nominated for xyz blah 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 and this is right. just the movie we can pin the oscar on so that we can retroactively reward him for all his good work with like scorsese right. the fact that he didn't win for goodfellas because if you look at the other work that he did in the 90s mm-hmm. it's especially his the big two every it's goodfellas and casino are the big yeah, two exactly and then after this we get we get Wolf of Wall Street which is kind of a crime story we yeah. get you know like taxi driver crime story raging bull is like boxing po- there's there is a tonal difference to bringing out the dead and every other Martin Scorsese movie that I can think there of There
1: is and I think it that I know what it is I kind of pegged it when I watched it this last time around cuz I've owned this movie on two different formats. I had it on VHS and DVD. Yeah. I just need to get it on fucking Blu-ray now. Right. I own the digital, <laughs> right. so whatever. Yeah, worth but buying. Because there's an other director that sometimes shares similar tone and but stylistically very different, and it's Oliver Stone.
2: It's interesting Carl brings this up. Remember earlier when Martin Scorsese didn't win an Oscar for Goodfellas in 1990? That's because Oliver Stone did for Born on the Fourth of July. Oh! <gasps> Yes. So I
1: feel like Oliver Stone and Martin Scorsese are kindred spirits in a way, as far as filmmaking is concerned. Okay. Um I believe natural born killers and certainly, oh my god, there's the one with Jennifer Lopez, it's a fucking you know, dude in the wrong town gets all fucked up. But anyway, there were two t- natural born killers in this other movie that I can't think of. They're very sure. stylistically the same where um where Oliver Stone was using three or four different types of cameras, like like 35mm, a high definition, like he was using. Black and white, yeah, um, yeah. Animated, even in Natural Born Killers, and splicing all those together, there was a lot of like um, the lighting design was very specific with like bright reds, bright whites, like almost washing out the the image. Like yeah, yeah. R- like key lights that are like on Nicolas Cage in some of the drive-alongs, right? It's so white, it's almost like the eyes of an angel are on him. He's almost washed out, and you get that all over Mickey and Mallory in natural born killers so there's there's a lot of this '90sness that is this movie is completely steeped in that is like oliver oliver stone is sort of like the water that's been like pre-made that that uh martin scorsese is dipping his I, um his bring out the dead teabag into i think
0: there's i I see what you're saying. I slightly disagree. The way I I don't disagree, I just look at it from a slightly different angle. I don't think he's dipping a tea bag in like the waters that Oliver Stone has prepped for him. Right. I think the reason that this got no Oscar nominations is because if you look at the other work that he did in the 90s and his mm-hmm. films from the 80s, Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, this is a departure. And the last f- temptation of, Christ. Last temptation was, of yeah. Christ, which actually got pushed back two years. It it it's kind of in a weird way. This is Martin Scorsese's Marvel movie, and the Academy mm-hmm. punished him for it. Because right. if you look at his other his other work, there is a sort of like austerity to it. There's a sort of like you know like
1: seriousness.
0: Yeah, like Goodfellas. We're gonna tell, and there's fun bits and wild bits, and obviously there's like really over the top violence. Well, and anytime stuff, but-
1: you cast Joe Pesci in a movie.
0: It, there's Joe always Pesci. yeah Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci yeah there's always going to be a little bit of that that comedic <laughs> exactly but I feel like I feel like you can approach all of his other films as like and here's master filmmaker Martin right. Scorsese's serious austere look Raging at the d-. yeah exactly he Blood like, man's
1: fight in the ring and outside
0: the ring. I'm sure that we know, you know, like in retrospect, we look at all those movies and we go like, yeah, it's he was just making masterpieces, but then you Mm -hmm. get to bringing out the dead and it's not so easy to just look at that and go like, yes, Citizen Kane, yes, uh, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like Schindler's List. It's not one of those because it's got this wild frenetic energy and it's I was
1: gonna say frenetic energy man you were right in my head and it's... fucking love you man
0: you know like it's it's the greek tragedy thing where like in classic tragedy your main characters are always princes kings your
1: your groundlings are the goofy characters right the ones that come in and like affect the scene and then leave
0: yeah in a, in a... now the
1: the higher ups have to deal with
0: that exactly. Yeah, Our the people that we're meant to take seriously and focus on are usually like the the one percent of whatever time period that is the Duke of Athens, exactly. You know? And if you were Henry V and look at his other movies, like okay, so Casino that's about like wealthy, powerful mob kings, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. same story. Um, Raging Bull that dude's a king of the ring, he's a yeah. there's a we're, it's kind of like a classical approach in a way We're looking at like these big titans And we watch their downfall And that's like the story that he does But he does it great And Paul Schrader, mm-hmm. who's a, like a routine writing partner Who does a lot of the scripts He did the script for Raging Bull, for example um, uh, Martin Scorsese said in an interview That the reason that he picked Schrader To write the screenplay for this one as well Is he said nobody writes New York City at night Better than Paul Schrader Fucking shit. Man. Totally, totally correct. And nobody I think Ugh. I think Martin Scorsese has a very definite take on what New York City is, and it's consistent through almost all of his films. That's
1: what I love about like I've only been to New York a handful of times, but mm. I feel like Martin Scorsese's New York at night in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. You can get it. Even if you've never been there, you can get a sense of what it smells like. Right. What it feels like, what it sounds like you it sort of affects all of your senses and even the ones that we aren't aware of. It's a total it tickles vision. like this vision of, but it's it feels true. Some movies you get that New York, and it's a lot of times in romantic comedies, yeah. right? New York in the winter. Sure. Where you have Central Park or the Ice the Rockefeller Center, and it's this glorified New York City. That is a very hallmark sort of version. And that New York does exist. Yeah. As well. But I feel like there's not as much truth to it as like this. There's a romance in in the gritty side of it too. Right? Where you sort of indulge a little bit where where like, oh, this isn't as like the first time I went to New York in the mid '90s, I'm like, "This place isn't as dirty as I thought it was going right. to be." <laughs> like, <laughs> right. There, there is a significant lack of uh, the amount of prostitutes that I thought I'd be running. Well, New to. York
0: is not. I, I, that's another reason I'm really grateful for all the Scorsese films. Is it catches it captures a New York that no longer exists. It no
1: longer exists. Um, the the pre-mayor uh, uh, Giuliani New York.
0: Right, but right. That's but, a whole other. Fun before the cleanup. Before Giuliani the cleanup. But I, I think the two masters of New York. Are Martin Scorsese teams. and Woody Allen; those two mm-hmm. dudes had like a, a very distinct vision of what what New York was to them, mm-hmm. and they perfectly executed and consistently executed yeah. bringing that to the screen. But I love this New York because Me too. I actually I love I love this presentation of New York because our point of view of it is from a guy who is losing touch with reality and going completely off the Boy, fucking rails. So let, I want to start at the beginning. The, yeah. I love how this is soundtracked. The, if you go and listen to the sound, you can find it on uh, Spotify. There's the soundtrack to Bringing Out the Dead is amazing. It's these like it's this weird blend of like British punk music. Yep. And like this kind of like wailing American blues rock. And it's just the perfect fit. One of the first songs we get is, I, I can't remember what it's called because it's been a hundred there, years. There's a
1: couple of Stones songs in here, right? I think there's like I think there's one
0: I think there's one Stone song in here but the uh, in the beginning we get this kind of slow introduction to this and I'll try and find the song really quick. Yeah. Um the only
1: reason I asked about the Stone cuz a lot some of the songs feel very much early Rolling Stonesy and well Scorsese is a huge 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 Rolling Stones fan even I mean he directed their Whatever concert video that was that dropped like a decade ago.
0: Did he? It's well yeah. the first song we hear is Van Morrison. So like it, Oh the, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the score is made up of Van Morrison, the Clash, fucking Johnny Thunders of the New York Dolls, REM, Another Clash songs. We got and then you have this, these cool like old like old throwback stuff, like almost stuff that you would expect to hear in Goodfellas, like Nowhere to Run by Martha mm-hmm. Reeves and the Vandellas. Nowhere to Run to Baby. Nowhere, Nowhere to hide. hide. We got Big Brother and the Holding Company, the Who. Like mm-hmm. the fucking soundtrack is amazing. And that forest, that first song, "TB Sheets" by Van Morrison, literally the perfect opening song. It's about a tuberculosis ward and suffering patients in this stifling New York tuberculosis ward. It's yeah. got this wailing guitar part, and then there's a harmonica that cuts in, and there the way that he cuts it, the, the editing in this film is absolutely perfect if you this is like do you just watch this movie anybody who wants to learn how to cut film you watch any scorsese but if this is really dynamically cut Mm -hmm. really cool interesting like foreshadowing and like weird uses of of j cuts and angles and and not like cheesy either like everything that's just it
1: man it's like it could have been hands of a different cinematographer a different director it would come across
0: as a little bit
1: this Talking could have been like, fear
0: and uh, loathing in New York City, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. But it's not oh, it's so fucking. It is amazing. So one of the first <laughs> one of the first moments we get this really slow intro to TB sheets, and then there's a moment where a heart, this like wailing blues harmonica comes in. It's the perfect song because it's literally about like sick people getting sicker and just looking for a little relief, and it just ain't coming. Mm-hmm. And that is th- that's our main character. That's Frank to a T. Yeah, so, but. He, when the first ambulance cuts, pulls in, we see, uh, Nicola. it's Nicholas Cage and John Goodman are our first, our first duo, yep. our first DMT crew, Their
1: first ride.
0: And when they pull out God onto I the, fucking... yes, dude, when they pull out onto the street and that ambulance like whips into, pa- into frame and we see those flashing lights, there's no, there's no sound, but that's when the harmonica wails, the timing of mm-hmm. the harmonica replaces that first siren of the ambulance and you're just, God. you're hooked. You're just absolutely in. It's a fantastic cut. Um, and then we, right off the bat, we get the Nicolas Cage voiceover. And secretly, I think this is Martin Scorsese doing his take on the. This is based on a book. I should have written down who it was by. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is Martin Scorsese doing his take on the noir genre. You know what I mean? Because we start. No, it
1: feels. It feels like that. I mean, oh dude yeah
0: like the fact that we there's two things that Nicolas cage never does anywhere in this movie and it's two things that he says he does all the time but we never see him do it one Nicolas cage never sleeps at nope. any point in the film
1: we see him get into bed or turn like turn yep. his lights down but we never see him sleeping we see
0: the toss and turn we see the shit staring at the alarm clock we see the now get it's back night up. again yes yep. and then the other thing that he always says actually there's a line early on where he, the guy goes Man, you're getting skinny. You, you, oh, you... Because you, uh, John Goodman's looking for food, and he goes, let's just yep. do a little more driving. And he goes, you never eat. And he goes, I eat. I just haven't had coffee yet. Which I thought was hilarious because that's literally me. But um, mm-hmm. but he he actually never does eat, and we even see him buy he food. He gets
1: food. Yeah, he gets food in front of him. Yeah. When his, he's chatting with... Um,
0: Patricia Arquette. Patricia yeah, Arquette. Yeah, Mary. He sits down, and he's like, well, let's get some pizza. Let's go out for a slice. And he gets a fucking pizza. And he hands her a piece and then he like kinda reaches for one, but then he sits back instead and she nibbles on her piece of pizza while they talk and he never eats. But we I love this this fucking voiceover. We start and he goes, Uh, they're they're driving around and he's just like talking about a, a it's been a week of bad days. I just need a good I can't remember exactly I where it's
1: like essentially he's saying, I just need to save somebody in order yes. to like get out of this funk that I am in. The
0: story the general story is about this this EMT who's like Really dealing with what we call Perfect
1: record before we meet him
0: Yeah and, and now he's on a long String of every call He goes on that person dies Yep. So it's like he can't save anybody. It started
1: with one where he Rose. missed the tracheotomy or whatever,
0: the intubation. He wasn't able. He wasn't Kept able to get in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the stomach. No, let me try one more time. You're in the stomach, and then she- Give it to
1: me. Let me do it. Yeah, dude.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about that scene because that's a that's a little little David Lynch lift right there. But mm-hmm. um, there's his opening. I think it's his opening voiceover. It might be later, but it really catches the flavor. After a while, I grew to understand that my role was less about saving lives than about bearing witness. I was a grief mop. Dude. A grief mop. A grief mop. This is legitimately, like, this, this Paul Schrader script, I've never read the, I should have read the book, because, I, I mean, God, we had enough time between the watch and now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the Paul Schrader script is just fucking incredible. Every single thing that comes out of Ving Rhames' mouth is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Every, it's just, it's it's got humor, it breaks your heart, it's actually scary in some places.
1: Quite terrifying in places, yes, it's, it's, I
0: it's, completely it's, agree. It's bleak, but not hopeless bleak. It's really, really... How
1: how the, the balance is struck with, with all of those things and never feeling too much of
0: one. Yes, yeah, the b- balance is a perfect word because it takes you to some really hard, crazy places, but there's always a, a little valve. Yep. Right up in near the end, near the end. Even I mean, even some of the cr- even some of the like heaviest, most harrowing stuff we're looking at, for example, like side coats impaled on a fence,
1: <laughs> the, hanging out over, hanging out over his balcony, like just bleeding out. And, and,
0: and yeah. even there, man, even there, Scorsese has him turn out and look at the sparks of the metal grinder they're using to cut the fence away. And he goes, look at that, man. Isn't it beautiful? I love this city. And we watch Sparks sparkle over the glittering New York skyline as this drug dealer with his female assistant shot to death in his drug den above and his bodyguard with two broken legs who dragged himself into the apartment below. And he's impaled on a Mm -hmm. fucking gate. And we look out over the city and everybody takes just a breath to realize, like, my God. How beautiful it is. Dude, city of dreams. Look at it. Look at it, man. There it is. New York, New York, God, oh it's God. it's you can real and you can see the trajectory. You can see mm-hmm. it's like this movie plus Casino equals Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, like in the this has got this movie has got such an a punk rock energy to it. I I'm almost sad that this movie didn't get nominated and didn't get more acclaim. Um, of, of his 90s films on IMDb it's the lowest rated even with Roger Ebert's really really glowing review yeah they
1: were like going through some of the like user reviews yeah. which are always very charming um, <laughs> on IMDb I know everyone's so similar there's civil. a lot of it's like it's either 8 or a 9 or a 1 like this movie fucking blows yes like, yes Jesus dude Jesus
0: Christ man why cause just cause no one's there's no like there's no nobody talking with nobody talking with a hard Brooklyn yeah, accent nobody's
1: like hey listen fuck you fuck nobody you guys where's gets... Joe Pesci they... <laughs> I was
0: going going to say nobody gets their hands broken with a baseball bat but i lie actually i
1: no,
0: think yeah actually though. yeah tom sizemore does break mark anthony up pretty bad with a baseball bat so what are you guys oh complaining God, about yeah. you get you get your baseball bat moment um so we we start with john goodman and nicholas cage responding to a call of a man who's gone into cardiac arrest Uh, And they go upstairs, and this is where we meet Mary Burke, Patricia Arquette. Mm -hmm. She and her family, they're crying. The dad's been, he's been, uh, he went into the bathroom to have his heart attack, and that's our first, we get our first little hint from the son when he's talking to Nicolas Cage. He he got up from dinner, said he was feeling kind of weird, and then he locked himself in the bathroom and had a heart attack, and they had to like. He
1: wanted to die.
0: That's our first hint. Yeah, by the end it becomes clear because Nicolas Cage literally is like, the guy's like talking to him and Nicolas Cage's delusions
1: my it's my interesting my interesting take on this is is that is is Nicolas Cage so deep in his state of insomnia and riddled with like pumping himself full of whatever is available in the ambulance oh god I love has, that yeah that he has thinned the veil to where he is actually able to communicate in some way with the essence of this human or is he just losing his fucking mind or a little mix of both like i like what is what is happening i like the read
0: i honestly like the read because we've talked in the past during our more horror heavy seasons we've definitely talked about some occult techniques that involve like um sleeplessness like getting to altered states of consciousness through sleeplessness we've also we also know about getting through all altered states of consciousness through like drug use so yeah. we and definitely a
1: lot of those things in tandem. So, yeah, he definitely I, does. I like to read that he is actually like in this Tuning moment in. able to tune into that
0: and that that's factual. It makes it
1: less. It makes it less fucked up when he, you know, euthanizes the dude on his own. It's with thinking that he has heard this man's right. request.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise,
1: he's just straight up committing murder as a crazy person.
0: <laughs> But I think, I also think, even if he's not psychic, I do think we're given enough to to understand. to understand, to know that. And I also think it's interesting, like, um, that guy, who Nicolas Cage does save, he gets to the hospital and they just keep shocking and shocking and shocking mm-hmm. and shocking. What, he's got, like, 18 times in one night, I think?
1: 18 times they bring him back,
0: yeah. And, uh... That guy's alive, so if this guy survives, he breaks Nicolas Cage's bad luck streak, basically. Yeah. But, I th- and I think it's so interesting. We'll just, we can just, yeah, let's just talk generally, because it has been so fucking long, yeah. but I, I think it's interesting, like, this is a good man, and this is a father, and, well, he had his problems when, you know, we find out that Mary Burke, she did not have the best relationship with her father always, but, man, no. does she want him to live. Yeah. Um. And she's so worried about him. And Nicholas Cage, if he saves this guy, he'll save a, a this man who Good this man. woman that Bob. he's coming, yeah, who he's coming to like know and love and respect. He would save her father, and he really wants to do that. But what actually does break his streak is saving the drug dealer who got her addicted to yep. to opiates. Yep. So, like, that's there's a clear moment where Cy Coates, like, grabs his wrist in the hospital with the gate still sticking through his chest, and he goes, You saved you my saved life. Me. And Nicolas Cage goes, I know. And he walks away, and you can, in a way, you can just see it on his I face. I need some water. Yeah. Get water. Can someone give me a cup of water? You know, oh, my God, dude. Mark Anthony's so good. But but I love, like, the, the guy he most despises, the only person that he really doesn't want to save, he saves, and that breaks his streak. Mm hmm.
1: Breaks the string, and I also read it as well that it's like it's not always saving the person is as far as saving their life, allowing them to live another day, isn't necessarily the saving of that person. Right. Sometimes it means like making the hard choice, like what you know. He's like, "Please let me fucking die. I've gotten, you know, I've been resuscitated eighteen times now. I'm in pain. I'm the, I'm a vegetable. I'm not going to be able to do anything."
0: Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. He saves,
1: he saves him, but in a totally different way by allowing him to slip away
0: and i mean they don't they do not have a whole lot of hope for this this guy uh uh, mary burke's father they at one point like he has flatlined they're doing cpr nicholas cage tells john goodman all right go call it in call it this guy's done and then you know mary's crying and nicholas cage goes you know put on some music what would he have liked something he would have yeah. liked and they put on a Frank- oh this is
1: at the call this is when he's on this the is at the, the call yeah, yeah yeah
0: the first time well they've dragged him out to the bedroom but yeah they. That's right. so they're sitting there the family's all weeping Nicholas Cage is like go call it this guy's toast and then they put on a Frank Sinatra album and Nicolas Cage finds a pulse Yeah. and he's like it's well like, wait, shh we okay wait something. and you know what we're gonna let's let's go let's try we'll try and save this guy and then like but the way that the god when they're driving back John Goodman's in the back working on the dad. Nicolas Cage is driving and he sees the headlights of the family car in the background and he turns on the sirens and John Goodman gives him this look like, would you turn Why on you the doing? siren? Right. Why, why'd you turn the sirens on? And Nicolas Cage goes for the family yep. and you just go, oh my God, dude, that there's every, every little moment like that just brought me further into this movie. I was like, what, what good writing?
1: Because like, isn't it, because I, I was curious about that moment, right? I feel like they only turn the lights on if they need to get to the hospital very quickly because they know they can this person can be saved. Right? But yeah. They don't if they're not in a hurry.
0: Exactly. If they're not,
1: they're not in a hurry. They're not like
0: the sirens. 100%. The sirens mean that we're are getting to the hospital quickly is a matter of life and death. If it's not a matter right. of life and death, they don't turn the sirens they on. They don't do it. So right. he just flips the sirens on to like for the family. For the family. Yeah. Yeah, and John Goodman, that dude, the nod too. Like even John Goodman, who's not in much of this movie, like <laughs> no. ten minutes, fifteen, and then he's out. And we get another partner on the side, and you always know that Tom Sizemore is going to be the final partner of the of the week. You know it's coming.
1: Fuck that dude. But, i was just going to go on record and say fuck that dude. But, I mean, know, he's good in the
0: movie You really you think? I know, right? Like the fact that you hate him so much. Really, I fucking hate him. Really He's good just work. A
1: disgusting fucking human being.
0: Tom Sizemore, or this character played <laughs> Tom by Tom, Tom Sizemore. Sizemore, the guy. yeah. Tom si- yeah. What did he I do? I don't. I don't know anything about him.
1: Oh man, go go ahead, go down a fucking. Google is, there, hole. is there
0: a rabbit hole? I know he and Mark Anthony did not like each other at all yeah. on this film, and they almost got into. I really some hope I'm not
1: thinking of somebody else, but there's some really fucking not great shit that he. um
0: we're a film podcast, Carl. What, uh, unless you're making it up, it won't be libel.
1: Well, as as I'm saying it now, I'm like, man, I hope I'm, it, it is Tom Sack, Se- because I know that Steven Spielberg like tried to help him out like during Saving Private Ryan, because he had a lot of issues with drugs and whatnot. Sure, and yeah, yeah, stuff. But I think he solicited like sex from like,
0: Okay. All right. All right. All
1: right. I apologize if I'm wrong. I'm thinking of somebody else. We might Let's not. This might not be fact. <laughs>
0: The this is the measuring flicks legal department. Uh, all listeners are advised to do their own research, as Max and Carl do almost none for every episode. You know what's
1: really funny is like <laughs> in my in my cast bio for mashup. Yeah, I I always mention measuring flicks because mm-hmm. it's a good place to do that. Yeah, I said measuring flicks where uh, where we wax poetically about uh, films, and then I said. And, of course, by waxing poetically, I mean talking about facts of movies that we either make up completely or don't even, like, <laughs> bother to, to, to research.
0: That, yeah, but that's the beautiful thing about our conversation, man. It's, it's just a long record of two film fans just chatting with each other, sometimes we're drunk.
1: Doing, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, miss, um, I miss that.
0: I do miss that, too. Hey, man, not much longer until we can do this in person again. I am really excited for that
1: my list of guest hosts that want to be at the table with us or ever growing. We're going to have here. to just
0: like both take a week off of work and just schedule yeah, ep- just an episode a day for 7 days.
1: Sorry, I got derailed on the time side. No
0: part. worries, no worries. Um but that even that first thing with John Goodman when he's the first partner and he's like he looks at him quizzically and for the family, just that look. The John Goodman like the head nod mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, yeah, got it. Like we do this sometimes. This is something yeah. that we do, you know." That "Oh, let me get back to work." All right, cool. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Just that little that those, it's those little moments that separate Nicolas Cage and separate John Goodman from other actors that we talk about. This is, this is why we do a Nicolas Cage month. We should do a fucking John Goodman month. Um, I would I'd love to do that. Oh my God, right? Like, no kidding. Um, so we get it's to. Not, not Blues Brothers 2000. We're not going to. Nope, nope. We'll give that one. We'll we'll save that no. for season nineteen Hard. when we've run out of all the other movies Man, that there. We've are. seen
1: them all, Max. We've seen them all. And Only now, one movie left Blues on the show. Blues
0: Brothers 2000, the 2000 oh, I'm feeling, masterpiece.
1: I'm feeling a little tight in my chest. Oh, I'm smelling, I'm smelling burnt rubber for some
0: reason. Uh yeah. If heaven forfend we ever get to that film. Although there is one more <laughs> car that they crashed from the previous. Not even still the world record. I, we're not, I don't know why we're talking about that piece of shit. No, it's all right. Um, I, so uh, we get to we get to Misery. We roll them into the back. Everyone's like, "Nope, take them somewhere else." Yep. The, the one thing I love about Misery is that it is always absolutely full. The waiting room yeah. packed. There are people in gurneys lining the streets, and I think part of it is just it's kind of been like they talk about it's just been a crazy summer, a hot summer. Yep everybody's everybody's like in this like weird bubbling melting pot everyone's stewing in, in a way it's kind of like the uh the do the right thing uh mm-hmm. pressure valve is just yeah. it's, it's been a, a wild summer and it's just getting crazier and everyone's worked to their to the limit um take, take me back put me to bed i surrender they get they get him settled in, and what do they have to do after they get him settled? in he talks to Mary Burke for a second. He's like, "Yeah, well, they'll know they'll know more in a bit." And this is where we meet Noel for the first time, just screaming right. for a cup of water. But he has a. We find out that he has like this weird. I don't know if it's a mental illness or an actual illness. I can't remember the distinction. No, it's,
1: it's I forget the word of it. It's, it's same. It's it's related to the to the same mental illness where people will eat shit like. Compulsively, but it's always like like something weird, like stuffing pica. Yeah, Yeah. but it's like you can't get enough of this, and it just happens to be water for him. He always thinks he's thirsty and has to keep drinking until he would eventually, because you drink too much water, you'll You'll, fucking die. You'll
0: die. Yeah. Um. Actually, interestingly enough, that's been part of uh part of the thing with my mom after chemo is she has to drink huge amounts of water to like help flush her system. Yeah. But um, one of the things that we noticed early on was after a certain amount of water, she would start getting really lightheaded and dizzy, and then we would have to push Mm -hmm. electrolytes to balance that back out, because if you drink too much water... You essentially like dilution Push out your, all of yeah, your good stuff. And then you die. Yeah. So that yeah, yep. we, so we it has been an interesting balancing act of like you gotta drink a ton of water and then you gotta drink a ton of electrolytes. And we're going back and forth. It's like a all pint those
1: trace min- all those trace minerals, baby. Exactly. They gotta be in you.
0: It's like when you're drinking hard and you do a pint of water in between every drink so you don't yeah. you so you miss the hangover. But uh yeah. so we find out that Noel and Patricia Arquette know each other from way back in the mm. day like her father we find out that her father briefly took Noel in so this guy yep. this guy that Nicolas Cage is trying to save this is one of th- one of the things that I like about Scorsese and about Schrader's writing but about this film in particular is there are no there are no cookie cutter characters here like we find out that Mary no nope. the love ah, interest yes. she's been in That's the past right. she's been a a, a drug addict um, she makes a comment to Nicolas Cage, a sort of offhanded comment later, like, do you want to fuck me? Everybody else has. And we, we get the sense that she did like a many years of really hard living on the streets. And it was either that or a nunnery. She says, uh, I didn't want to really become a nun. I just wanted to run away. You know, so yeah. something there drove her away. So we have this question about is and we never meet the dad when we meet him. He's dead. And then he's basically brain dead for the whole film. So, all what we know is that, okay, he did something and it ran Mary out of the house. So maybe he's not a good man. But then we find out he took in this disadvantaged kid who has all these mental problems and took him off the street. So maybe he's an okay guy. Or maybe, Carl, he's just a person. You know? He's
1: just a person because Mary doesn't want him to go. If he was a horrible person, she'd be like, fuck that dude, let him die. But it's also her dad. But even that, she struggles with. People have weird, right? I love it. They're no one's cookie cutter. They're all like. Right. And we see Mary. And fucked up That's as exa- we all are. Yes,
0: man. And we we see her go from, we even see her go from like, I just, you know, like, why can't they tell me anything? Why can't they save him? And then later, once like several days of this have gone by and she's going back to the hospital. She's back and, to old habits. And man. well, there's that. But then there's also, you know, I just wish this would be over. At one point, she says yeah. to him while they're in the parking lot smoking a cigarette, you know, and. The, yeah. fr- the first one back is always the best when he gives her the cigarette. Um, Fuck this movie. Fuck it. I hate this movie because <laughs> it made you want to smoke. So Any bad. movie
1: that makes me want to fucking smoke a cigarette so bad? Because <laughs> that line almost? That line almost broke me, man. I'm like, yeah, shit. Is that what it was? You're. A you're I can just walk.
0: I can, dude. That's I literally. The
1: first, the first one back is. It tastes a little bit like garbage. Like that first hit's like. Right. Oh, okay, that's it. Ah!
0: But then the second but then one. then
1: you do your second one. You're like, oh wait.
0: Just like coming home.
1: I can totally
0: see you on the couch watching this movie, and then that line happens, and all of a sudden you, you have one. You yeah, And, you're like, what and ha- you're like, oh my god, where did I get it's no?
1: menthol, but I don't give a fuck. Yes, I'll you, smoke it, and I'll you toss it. it. You
0: throw it away. Yeah. You don't even know where it came from. And Danielle comes in, and you've got the pack in your hand. And You're like, it's not what it looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's you're acting kind of crazy. Baby, right it's now. it's
0: Scorsese. Danielle, it's Scorsese. I didn't. It, it wasn't me. It was him. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was him. I it was I didn't do
1: this. Um, but again, that's a that's a, just fucking great writing, man. Yeah, It's a little moment, but it's like, nah, the first one, but it is fucking delicious. The f- like, oh god, not
0: wrong. I've never, I've, I've never smoked a cigarette, and I saw that, and I was like, you know what? This is the maybe year. now is the time
1: how old am I? They just
0: 32? How much longer would I have lived anyway? This, <laughs> this has been a rough year, man. Let's mm. they look so relaxed and then but they don't though. They both look like no. shit completely for like much of the movie. Oh, Except Patricia Arquette, man. She's always she's always so beautiful. Um I actually Nicolas her. Cage. You know what I love? This movie, Panos Cosmatos, took a shot from this film and put it into Mandy at the very end. So when he's driving with Tom Sizemore and he's jug-junk, jug-junk, like crashing through the gears and we're getting the fucking crazy flipped score in that Clash song. This bus is Yeah. <laughs> I, have tr- I have tried to kill it many times and it will not die. It will not die. I respect die. that. So but like Nicolas Cage has got that like fucking manic Nicolas Cage grin on his face.
1: Is this when he's tapped into the like he's got himself hooked up to an IV and he's
0: no, it's the night when he goes. We're there, sharks. There oxygen- We're sharks. Oh, we gotta move. Yeah. The yeah, but that it is. He gives himself a little shot of adrenaline. He puts the uh, he puts the mask on. He, oxygen mask. Oxygen on. mask. He's got
1: an IV drip. He's like, we got. This.
0: Yeah, Tom and Tom's up front, and Tom's the guy who's like, we want blood and lots of it. He's he's a EMT who's looking for gruesomeness and gore. Yeah. And you imagine that there is that subtype of EMT, and he's like a slightly turned up version of it. But because this movie yeah. has this. There is an almost Jacob's Ladder quality. We say this all the time now, but there's an almost Jacob's Ladder quality to this film where you're not a hundred percent sure that everything you're seeing is exactly right, or if this the the. Am
1: I in someone's nightmare? Like, am I, yeah,
0: yeah, like any of the like. It's not cartoony, but almost like Tex Avery. Some of the heightened elements really do kind of catch mm. the feel of that like manic up. Thing when you haven't slept in a while, or like you've just, yeah. you know, you've got the little. I'm, my mom is walking by in the background, but I was just about to say, you've t- <laughs> Hi, hi, hi. There she is. <laughs> well, it's almost like that that time when you take a little bump of cocaine, you know, like that. Yeah,
1: that little, little toot, little tooty <laughs> just
0: toot. Just a little snoodily toot. But like, hi, <laughs> feel better, love you. <laughs> Carl and I are talking about church vitamins uh, vitamins yeah yeah
1: your orange juice
0: not cocaine Scorsese catches the cinematographer it's not just Scorsese he's the vision man but like the way it's shot the score the the manic nature of Nicolas Cage just just by nature that guy does crazy face and manic energy beautifully all Mm -hmm. that comes together to really catch the vibe of like like a, a bender it's yep. this is like the most
1: because when you're on a bender, your sense of reality is skewed as. fuck.
0: Oh, right? totally, like dude! You're, you're not in the world. Like... You're like walking around in the world, but you're seeing like the level just beyond as well. Yep.
1: You know, just <laughs> under the surface, like just.
0: Which, hey, more ev- maybe more evidence for his psychic abilities. Truth, but uh, there's a shot near the end where he like where Tom is. They're driving like a hundred miles an hour down the street, and he's cranking through the gears, and he's looking, and Tom goes hey Frank, and he, Nicolas Cage does the turn where he turns and he gives him the yeah, and he yeah. looks at him and he goes, y'all right? Never felt better, Tom, turns back, <laughs> cranking but that that head tilt with the wide open eyes and the mm-hmm. grinning mouth,
2: That's that is the, in the Mandy car. shot, yep. dude,
0: and he turns and looks at Mandy and his face is soaked in blood Panos yep. Cosmatos, I think I'm gonna say for sure, is homaging this film and rightly so, man, like Just talking about it a little bit with you, I want to watch it again right now.
1: Well, yeah. Well, anytime you park Nicolas Cage in a movie where he can have those kind of moments, he's going to echo shit that he has done in the past, especially. All right, we're going to need you. You're really fucked up on acid right now. You had a murder hornet stab you in the balls.
0: Right, right, right. Um,
1: So so that's your motivation. And you're going to, you just murdered 15 people. And now I need you to turn the camera.
0: And with he's, space. he's like well let' face on let's see let's what see. Other, with with your face on yeah like what? yeah <laughs> and you can see Nicholas Cage in his mind be like what what experiences could I draw on for this oh mm-hmm. I guess uh seven seven days no sleep taking multiple narcotics uh a- ambulance driver I think I yeah. did that one time yeah I'll just do that again I'll pull that <laughs> anytime yeah. you put Nicholas Cage in a movie and don't give him an opportunity to just let him off the chain then mm-hmm. you are wasting Nicholas Cage. Cause sometimes it's way over the top, and those moments are delightful. But other times, when you let him off the chain, he delivers absolute platinum-coated gold to you.
1: This guy's fucking awesome. Thanks to Nicolas Cage, I will never, uh, never hear the alphabet the same. I know he changed the
0: fundamental like building blocks of the English language forever. He changed forever.
1: Go watch Kiss of not Kiss of Death.
0: Fuck. Oh my God! Uh, you go watch Kiss of Death too, though. But dude, do you that watch Nicholas Cage bench press a woman in a bikini and throw a guy over his head like a spear into a truck tire. Dude, he's he's amazing. Um, no, it's uh, it's uh. Uh, Vampire's kiss. Vampire's kiss. Yeah, I haven't watched it in too <laughs> long. So if I could, that movie is so fucked up. We have a whole episode about we it. We do, go, and go you should listen through to it and, and listen to it. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so they get another call. They go out, and this whole movie is call after call after call after call. Our, our, it's crazy to me that the subplot, the actual plot of the film, are these disjointed calls. Mm-hmm. The, so, that's the vast majority of the movie.
1: So this is my yeah. this is what I love about this movie because Scorsese has several um like anthology pictures, right? Sure. Where it's like vignettes, like five short stories that are all pulled into one. There's a couple of ways to do that. You do like the New York Stories way, where it's very unique individual things, different characters, different plots, but they're all like tied together very loosely by, by a thread somehow, right? right? Sure. But this to me feels like there's another movie he did um, about a guy that kind of gets lost in New York over a period of time. I forget what it's called, but anyway, it's, it feels very anthological. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word. Anthological. Um, anthological. Anthological. I don't know if I can spell it and define it. It's a word. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but this is an anthology. It's short stories Yeah, that are told that we do. We do get different characters because we have different, people on the calls that right. are partnering with that it. are in trouble. Yeah. Then also the partners are different, but it's, it's like the perfect anthology movie. Cause it, we get all these little segments that are not connected Yeah. with this through line that is very connect. We have Nicholas cage the whole time. Right. So it's like, you know, so fucking cool, man, where it's like, it's an anthology, but it's also,
0: it's almost like in a weird way, the main character, narrative. it is, it is. It's, it, but I, Nicolas Cage is obviously our POV character. I'm not going to make sure. any crazy claims that he's not, but like the the vibe is almost like the main characters are the calls, and they all mm-hmm. just happen to die, so we have to move on to a new character, and Nicolas Cage is the thread that you're it's talking like about.
1: It's like if Night on Earth had I was the same driver.
0: Yeah, yeah, if it was the same driver every night.
1: Somehow, every night, different, every part, city. different part of
0: yeah. Right, yes, dude, that is a that is a really good way to think about this movie. Yes, that's kind of what the vibe is. He's just passing through these other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really... I, I was thinking about this when you were saying um, the stories are all loosely connected. One cool thing about this is all the stories are really tightly connected. We just don't necessarily see all the connections, but the illusions right. that we get, like, that's Noel, my dad raised him. I used to know him as kids. Right,
1: they're all, like, very connected. They're well, super... Small- Go. The, yeah. this borough of new york so just like baltimore like uh because that's that's my my end what i know is right. baltimore versus new york but they have boroughs in baltimore too like fells point versus harbor east versus right like so but they all feel like small towns within this much larger metropolis right so this is brooklyn or the bronx yeah dude. i think it's the bronx right it's it's a small town people tend to know each other especially the locals right it's like you you will probably know this person through some 6 degrees of separation right so that's so cool they tap into that like yeah it's to, from an outsider you think new york new york city it's a billion D people nobody knows each other untrue you go borough to borough those are very like there <laughs> there is small there, towns within a larger metropolis
0: that's ex- yes that's that's exactly how i was looking at it too is like because because all these really tight connections are just sort of alluded to the the sense that you get is that all of these people have just been kind of in a city sense like they live in New York City it's a city of strangers and yet you you really know a surprising number of people it's it, there's a feeling that they're all living on top of each other and living in each other's lives because mm-hmm. they're all in this big same yeah. soup of New York City you know like everybody knows everybody you know, we yeah. like we Cy Coates gets tied into the Red Death drug thing, and we yep. like John Goodman's gonna go. He's and John Goodman's actually one of the characters, one of the only characters who talks about moving out of here. Some actually, yep. Nicholas Cage we find out didn't always live in the city. He moved away from the city and then moved back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that. It really is that. Like you, if you if you're a New Yorker, if you are there, there's. One of my friends moved out there, and he was saying that there's the there's two types of New Yorkers, and there's people who moved. Well, move John to New York. and Casey moved out there, right? And yeah, then... they moved. They they moved back. They're now in Michigan again. But right, there, there is that like, and this is a this is one of Bird's friends that lives actually technically in New Jersey, but there's like the two types of New Yorkers. There there are the New Yorkers who are born in New York and never leave New York because they are New Yorkers. They're New York, and yeah. then there's the people who like move to New York and adopt that city and live there and stay there but don't. the city
1: adopts them almost more so than it, they adopt the city
0: this city has a lot that's how it
1: felt for me in baltimore It was like i felt like baltimore adopted me
0: speaking like, of baltimore mookie from the wire is in this yeah 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 dies a horrible death dealing <laughs> drugs on the street and then yeah, oh, shit. god dude they killed me <laughs> they killed me man like that oh, that shit. god that was heartbreaking fucking... dude it is especially because he he actually did pass last year r.i.p mm-hmm. um yep we lost him last year we did that was that was hard i had just started one watching of my the friends wire. one of yeah. my
1: friends did a scene with them in uh, like season three of the wire i always um, forget that the they shot that party.
0: in your neck of the woods and there was some dude cross-over. they shot
1: it all they shot that and uh, homicide life on the street i think was uh because the homicide bar where all the cops hang out in the yeah. show was uh one of the it's called the waterfront hotel yeah it's right on Thames street and that's one of the bars i went to all the fucking time it's like this is this is a fucking cop bar from homicide <laughs> <laughs> and right across the street from from the waterfront hotel is the facade for the fucking police station that they use for... yeah
0: okay okay so hey sh- mad respect for shooting on location in baltimore Anywho, also, well,
1: yeah like, but the cities tend to adopt you right like the people within it and the city itself, which is interesting. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that my brain was trying to think of it and couldn't put it to words, but I think I might have the essence of it now. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about a big city and yeah. what you're talking about is like when you are born there, it's one thing. When you move there and the city adopt it's not only the people that adopt you, the people that you meet and become friends with and, and build relationships with. Right. But somehow on this weird level that you can't really explain, the actual city itself, the buildings. The streets, the light posts, they adopt you too. like just being in and amongst the structure of it all without the people. Like just it's like right form adopts you. It's I, it's I, so know, what fucking you, I crazy. know what
0: you mean. Almost. Thinking yeah, it's of like...
1: hard to it's hard to like put it into words, but it's like if you've ever walked High as balls and drunk as shit down fucking Fleet Street at 3 a.m. in the morning, hoping you don't get mugged, but also singing at the top of your lungs. There's nobody else around, and your voice is bouncing off of row homes and shit, and you hear someone go, shut the fuck up. Right. You're like, I don't give a fuck about you. And a rat comes scurrying across the street. Right, right. And you're just hoping you make it three more blocks to your front door and remember where your key is.
0: (laughs) That's the city adopting you.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, can't put it into words. It's like
0: to to like just because I I think I like to think in like strange lovecraftian cosmic scale. It's in a way it's like when you move to a city and I've never lived in a city because I'm not a city boy. I'm a yeah. I'm a get me in the woods away from people yeah, kind of yeah. boy. But like I I, th- I think the sense that that thing you're talking about is like when you move to a city, it's almost like you are placing yourself on the altar before the great mm-hmm. god that is New York. And it will either reject your sacrifice or it will accept you.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And because it's such a giant
1: monster, it's got huge teeth made of concrete and steel, the, and it's either gonna chew you up or it's gonna like I think they're suck, suck on you a bit until the like hard candy coating is gone, and, and then it's spit but, you out, and you end up in Buffalo. Out.
0: Yep. But uh, but I <laughs> <laughs> but I I really do think that the like. The reason that Scorsese can bring us such a consistent and deep and interesting and nuanced, vivid vision of New York and why um, uh, uh, Woody Allen can do the same and why, you know, like there are there are these directors. I think to the, those people are like favored sons of the city. And I don't mean the people of the city. I don't mean the people in power in the city. I mean, the city New York has a speci- has an energy. Itself, just the structures, Mm -hmm. the sheer history, whether or not you believe in like ghosts. Think of it in like the term of ghosts. Like, so how many people have died there? How many people have lived there? How many people have achieved their dreams and seen their dreams scattered to dust before them and fallen in love and lost the love of their life in that city? There's so much energy packed in that one place that the city itself, truly, the buildings, the concrete, the girders, the steel, the glass, the flags, tattered flags waving in the breeze, the trash in the gutters has its its own flow, its own heartbeat. It breathes. It, you it's know? what
1: Ghostbusters 2 tapped into, albeit not quite as eloquently. <laughs> if the city's happy and sings, we can make the Statue of Liberty walk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that if the city would only be happy and get its get chin up and soldier on, we could get the statue? No, but of that Liberty. is
1: like, I mean, it's goofy, but that's what Harold Ramis was kind of going for. It's like the, the, in Ghostbusters 2, it's like the city has a soul and a feel and an energy to it. And if it's negative, you're going to create this gargantuan fucking, you're going to give energy and power to all this goobly gobbly. Right. Dan Aykroyd, too, I think, that wrote most of the script. Anyway. Again, I didn't research it. It's coming off the top of my fucking head. Don't yell at me. I the heard head, that Dan but...
0: Aykroyd was a conjoined twin, but actually he hacked it off himself with a with mm-hmm. a machete, mm-hmm. and that's what drove him mad and made him think about aliens. See what I just said there, listener? I said it factually. That's just a lie. All that's I totally did just now was just lie.
1: Fabricated. <laughs> that's <laughs> totally it. Um, anyway. So
0: they go out on another... John Goodman and Nicolas Cage go out on another call, and... It's interesting because this is one of those moments where we think that oh they're buddies, everybody that he drives with, they're buddies, but they fight. They yeah. fight a couple times. Like man, I want you to go, I want you to go get food, and and then the, I mean you know this movie's ninety nine, so the way that they talk about sex workers is not necessarily PC anymore. But yeah, yeah, like John Goodman gets a little bit salty with Nicolas Cage because he's fucking hungry, and Nicolas Cage is in his words like eyeballing hookers you know they go down yeah. this alley and we get a uh, we get several scenes with like um uh i mean uh, at that time these are just like the like street prostitutes that were seeing. right yeah so like we get a lot of scenes with though that like those people interacting with uh, what is it that one woman says she's like you probably picked or uh, no patricia arquette says you probably picked me up a couple of times yeah because back when she was like a Work like working the streets she, like, implied, OD'd and also, and, yeah. would um, yeah, a couple times, like you've probably picked me up. And then there's that one, um, that scene where Nicolas Cage and John Goodman are blocked in the alley because there's so many cars stopping to like, like a bunch of Johns out shopping yep. basically that they can't get through. And he turns, and there's a um, there's a sex worker who's pregnant on the street, mm-hmm. and she like is catcalling up at the ambulance, and she goes, Wonder when you're gonna come for me, ambulance man. And like Nicholas Cage is looking, he realizes. And what do we see later? We see him have to walk through, walk up like ten flights of stairs in an abandoned tenement building.
2: Yeah. And
0: there's a pregnant girl. A pregnant woman. A pregnant woman and her mm. boyfriend. We've been together for eight yeah. months, and she's like, "We are both virgins." And you're like, "I hate to, I, I hate to break it to you, guy, yeah. but uh, I, I think maybe not." And yet that's that thread is left to to hang because that's yep. not. That's not part of his job. That's not part of his story. That's their story, and that's not what we're watching.
1: That's why this movie just feels so alive to me and so real, right? Like the characters. Like, there's no cookie cutter character. There's also no cookie cutter like set of circumstances. It all has story. There's all, I there's meaning behind everything, and there's like purpose and. And
0: they, they everybody feels alive because they come in and out of his life and go on yep. about theirs, you know, and just he, like it happens, just like man. it happens. And it reinforces that early line where he says uh, "If My job is less about saving lives and more about bearing witness. I'm a grief mm-hmm. mop.
2: Mm.
0: That's that's kind of true, because if you think about it, like he's if he was like saving lives score to, to reinforce that scorsese would then go and show us like and after i saved them this was the life they led and they lived happily right. ever after or oh they lived for five more years
1: everyone would have a little dino of like yeah we you would know what they ended up doing if and... it was
0: about the life
1: we would see scrooge them. lived better that day he was <laughs> exactly
0: exactly we would get the little the little chestnut at the end we would get the yeah. like as the right before the credits we'd get the And Noel went on to win the Nobel Prize for Noel. So the next time we see Noel, Patricia Arquette cuts him loose. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh,
1: she thinks she's doing him a favor, but that poor dude's going to drink so much
0: water. He's going to go chug a bunch of water and probably die. Probably die. But like that's, I think that's really, I like her line there where she goes, I couldn't take it. I was in there and he's screaming and screaming and Mm -hmm. all for something as simple as a cup of water. You know, like Dwack won't someone, shouldn't someone just, if someone needs a cup of water, shouldn't we give he's them, a, give cup them of water? a cup of water? Yeah. And it, her sentiment makes sense, but then when you know what Nicolas Cage knows, he's like, well, no, if you give him a cup of water, he could die. Mm-hmm. But then there's that undercurrent again of if he wants to die, shouldn't he be allowed to die on his own terms? Which is really interesting because that's what her father wants Mm -hmm. that's that what her thing about noel applies to dad he's he's not asking for anything easy he's just or he's not asking for anything hard he's just saying when i die when i flatline again just don't shock me that's all i'm asking for i'm not even asking for anything i'm asking for you to not do something just let let me be let things be as they are and that, in his in his instance, it's implied that that's a basic human kindness that should be universal. Was,
1: was the the height of the Cavorkian shit that was like mid nineties, right? That was I in feel the like 90s. I remember being so. This could be a little bit of a sort of a commentary on that. I mean, because it's not subtle by any means that 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 Scorsese and co are asking some very tough questions it's, of their yeah. characters and of their audience, right? right. Like. Especially towards the end, when Nicolas Cage you know, like hooks himself up to
0: all of it's one of the most amazing things I've it's ever seen. It's such fucking an incredible,
1: incredible scene. and be, it's it's beautiful and horrifying all at the same time. Shades it's of Leaving man. Las
0: Vegas, you know that last Jesus scene. Jesus Christ,
1: yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting that this is sort of this movie comes out during the height of all that Jack kevorkian and assisted suicide. You know, when is it okay for a human to make that? Decision or decision.
0: Is, is it okay, or what okay what business not, do we have you know. to tell people? You know, should what people to have total autonomy? Is over very their bodies? like
1: relevant now, too. Absolutely, yeah. I just kind of lost you there. Hold on,
0: uh, it wasn't me or you, ah, okay? This is my
1: volume controller. Gotcha, i you gotcha.
0: Um, so like, and but here's another here, you know what, this is a perfect pivot to this. So the next time we see Noel after Patricia Arquette cuts him loose is he's on the street with a broken bottle, and he's cut himself. He's covered in blood, but mm-hmm. he hasn't cut himself fatally. And what he's tr- what he's doing is he's, like, th- when they pull up, when it's John Goodman? Yeah, it's I still it's John Goodman. Goodman. Yep. So when John Goodman and Nicolas Cage roll up, Mark Anthony is out on the streets, Noel's out on the streets with a broken bottle to his neck, and he's he's showing it to, like, pointing it to people and he's like just push come on man just push kill mm-hmm. me kill me kill me he won't do it himself but he wants so badly to die yeah so like in a weird way almost like half the characters in this in this thing are in some way suicidal or or mm-hmm. are wrestling with various shades of that issue from this guy's brain dead should we let him go to no wants to die and we just keep forcing him to live they just keep saving him over and over and over again they bring him to the yep. er and they strap him down don't drink any more water or you'll die come on and i just on want some, some water and on some
1: level even with the the drug dealer right like what he is issuing people is giving them is a little that little sliver of death right yep because he you and you and you go away right there is no yep. you anymore
0: yeah like what, what does he call it the he's like the back room of, she's just getting a little bit of sleep and you go back to that back sleep, room and there's yeah. like six people just all like on the floor Completely on futons, yep. no light, dirty, r- dirty back room, dirty blankets. It's, a, it's
1: like a heroin hut. Yeah. it's
0: You're not, uh, yeah, you're not seeing opium sleep. Dent. You're seeing like the oblivion of despair mm-hmm. and it's like, and I love the contrast. I'm glad you brought up size, like the contrast between size presentation and his like rap and his little, his, his like very philosophical, oh, it's very approach. gaudy
1: and very like, yeah. Yeah. You look front.
0: You look tired, <laughs> my man. Yeah, totally. And the way he presents it is like, listen, life is hard and she's going through a lot and you're going through a lot. And you know what you could use a little bit of rest. You don't need, you don't need alcohol. Alcohol is poison. My friend, what you need is one of these. He holds up a joint, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. you gotta, I, And what he's really selling all these people is like, Put down your burden and just to t- allow yourself a little bit of respite, you know. And then mm-hmm. when Nicolas Cage goes back to get Patricia Arquette, he's you see, you see, it's like that. It's like that. Um, and remember the Neon Demon when we get the in the end of the Neon Demon, we get that one woman in the bathtub and her face is just covered in like viscera and meat and gore, and she looks disgusting. And then we cut to the reverse. And it's like the two hot chicks covered in blood in the shower. And it's just like the most beautifully shot music video thing you've ever seen. And then you keep cutting back to this is the reality. This is the Hollywood. This is the Hollywood, yeah. It's that. Cy Coates is like the Hollywood. He's the he's the lie that draws you in, and then when you see the reality, it's like by the time you've taken the pill and you go to lay down in the back room, this is no Taj Mahal. This is no restful spa paradise. This it, is a flop it looks house. Like a
1: flop. Yeah. It's goddamn. It's disgusting.
0: It's it truly is. Um. But we see Noel is like his hair is soaked in blood. His face is soaked in blood. That shot of Mark Anthony shaking his head like a dog, and the blood like. Fl- flicking off hovering. back backlit Ugh. by that light there's so many shots in here that are gorgeous there's another one in this scene when uh nicolas cage gets out of the 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 ambulance and he's like come on we got to get you to the hospital you're all fucking cut up and stuff and uh that one guy uh there's like the that group of like younger people kind of hanging out nearby and the one guy goes he wants to die i know how to do it pop pop and he pretends to shoot him and yeah. noel turns and he's like oh good you have a gun excellent and he starts walking towards the guy and they all are like oh shit and they oh, scatter shit. no no
1: no 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 <laughs> so then don't draw attention to yourself yeah like oh
0: god why did you say anything man there's a crazy person with a broken bottle but yeah no shit. noel runs out into the street and lays down in the middle of the street and he's saying like you know like come on hit me i won't be mad like i don't mind <laughs> yeah. run me over
1: it's at the same time really fucking funny and just tragic as
0: fuck. It is man. so sad but like but at the same time if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street or if you've seen yep. basically any of Scorsese's more like energetic pieces that don't have mm-hmm. that like you know like brief aside there is a flavor to some Scorsese movies where they it almost feels like they know that they're a Scorsese movie and that this is going to be one of the timeless yep. masterpieces yep. of Scorsese. It's yep. like I, I want to say it in the kindest words because I really genuinely do love all of his films that I've seen, mm-hmm. but there is a like an almost smugness where he's like, you he knows he's Scorsese.
1: That's the word. It's yeah. so
0: there is a little bit of like, isn't this movie fucking awesome? You know, but like, I
1: feel like with with some of the directors that are like, you know, those triple A listers, like sure, you know, Spielberg, sure. Scorsese. There's you're gonna find that. Pretty consistently, right. there's always a moment or two where you're like, with Spielberg in particular, this is the Spielberg shot, this is the Spielberg moment, this it's, is the they Tarantino get a, does it when when yep. he like, yeah, they, they know. We're at a table with more than three people. We're like,
0: now we're gonna, you now we're gonna, now we're the, gonna talk uh, for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. But, like, and but it's they be
1: all like heightened.
0: Yeah, but this one yeah. doesn't, this one doesn't have that to me. This one has this, and you know what's really interesting is he hated shooting this. took 13, I think it was 13 week shoot in winter, in December, primarily night shoots. It was absolute misery to shoot On this movie. On location
1: for like 90% of it. Yes,
0: and most of it takes place inside ambulances. Like, mm-hmm. I think a third of the film was shot in and around
1: How ambulances. How do you fucking rig that shit, man? Can you imagine how many deconstructed
0: a, ambulances they had for this fucking movie? Oh,
1: a lot. But even if you're doing it on like a soundstage with like, you know, you have the hamburger or a hot dog that you're doing for you. Sure. Where you cut it and then you're just shooting from one side like the, like the, what you do anytime you see an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. The interior. They, either, they either hamburger or hot dog it. You know what I mean? Like they either cut it one way. So yes. You're in or you cut it the other way. Right. Right. So I, they, cross have have like cross-sectioned right so even with that like the fucking setups for this shit
0: yeah oh my god fuck
1: you and then just
0: and then make it freezing Ah. cold winter in new york at the same time as you're doing all this nonsense apparently nicholas i read on imdb that nicholas cage went through about an average of 10 shirts a night from sweat blood and grime yeah um
1: sweating in the middle of winter is that's miserable. I you. know, because then you're like... And you're so hot outside. No wonder he from, looks like, sick. From exertion. Oh, that's the one thing that I wanted to make sure we touched on is the fucking makeup. Not just the bloody shit, but just the subtle... How tired Over he the looks. course of four days, how the dark under his eyes very slowly starts to get worse and worse. Right. They end up getting his eyes almost sunk into his skull. He looks thinner you remember than how... he did at the beginning of the picture. Do you remember how Christian he looks Bale... Stained.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, do you mean you know my bro Christian Bale for The Machinist, he he had said yeah. like all, he would eat like a can of tuna and an apple a day. That was That's the only thing itch. he ate and he stopped sleeping before shoots. Like the day he would like just not sleep if he had a shoot coming up, so he would always look yeah. exhausted. I almost wonder if Nicolas Cage did some of that. Cuz I can see that. That guy I mean, really looks like burned he out. He looked
1: not fucking well no. like to the point of the last act of this movie is uncomfortable to watch just because of how how ba- gaunt yes and bad he
0: looks bad by the he end looks of this.
1: Bad like dude makes me tired and exhausted like dude I wanna take a nap. <laughs> Just looking at you, you're making me tired, bro. You're making me tired. Yeah, like
0: I'm gonna sleep on your behalf, and then
1: I'll yeah. finish this movie. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but when I love when Noel runs out to the street because he's like, "Noel, come or Noel, come on, let's get you to the hospital. Come on." And he's laying down in the street, and he, Nicolas Cage is like, "Fuck, I don't want to have to deal with this." Oh, okay, I got it. And we see him lie to Noel, and I think it's interesting because the only we actually see three of the EMTs lie to patients. To make them like more acquiescent. Ving Rames is the funniest. Um, right. Tom actually, Tom Sizemore's might be the funniest, but this one's amazing. He's he,
1: just Tom Sizemore is trying to find a way to beat up somebody. Well, no,
0: I like that. He does have that one thing. This isn't a very experimental drug from NASA. That moment is pretty funny to me. <laughs> oh yeah. But when he goes out and Nicolas Cage goes out in the streets and he's like, he's like Noel, you didn't let me finish. We have rules. the thing on the
1: dude's forehead? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's like,
0: later. He puts the blood, yeah. the the uh, heart monitor, like the, yeah. the, what are they called? The sensor. He puts the, the little, spe- like, yeah. sensor thing to his forehead. Sensor. But uh, so Nicolas Cage is looking down at Noel on the street, and he goes, Noel, you didn't let me finish. We have rules against killing people on the street, okay? It looks bad. There's a special room at the hospital for terminating. It's a nice, quiet room with a big bed, and they cut to this wide, which is go- absolutely gorgeous. They're both backlit by the city, and Noel looks at, up at him like, "I hadn't thought of that." You're, you know what? It probably You're, would yeah. be bad if EMTs killed people on the street. So, okay. And then, so not good for PR. Yeah, yeah, dude, totally. Like, oh, I, I didn't mean to make any trouble for you, Frank. I'm sorry. Yeah, take me back to the terminating room. You know, he looks up at him and he goes. Before he takes his hand, he goes, wait, how are you going to kill me? And Nicolas Cage, well, you have a choice, pills, injection, or gas. N- n- and then Noel is, like, literally reassured. He goes, all right, pills, definitely pills. Grabs his hand, goes quietly to the ambulance. He's like, all right, all right, good. I'm, I'm just glad we got this sorted finally. Yeah. Oh my God. And this is not the last time this week or this night that Noel is going to escape from the hospital and go cause more problems. Um... So the the call after that is Mookie. This is where we find out about yeah. Red Death. There's a new drug going through. I thought Red Death was an interesting name, especially because the you know the plague. Yeah. The uh uh oh my God, I've forgotten Edgar Allan Poe. Jesus. Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Mask of the Red Death, is all about um basically the one percent dancing uh, behind their walls and having this big bacchanalia, thinking they're going to be safe from disease, but the disease steals through and yeah. ultimately kills everybody in the house. So yet another reference to disease and sickness. And... You yeah, know
1: that, that the red death new drug on the street thing is one of those tropes that I struggle with in a lot of movies that have some sort of like, I don't know where it comes from, but I typically have an issue with this trope where yeah. it's, like RoboCop 2 it's the new drug that everyone's doing it and it's killing people or like slow-mo in drag okay I was just
0: gonna bring that up because honestly slow-mo is so fucking cool that's
1: a cool I got no cool with it do something cool with it yes I feel like a lot of times it's, it's injected into these movies because people have heard about heroin they've heard about cocaine and we have we've sort of been like we know that it's horrible and addiction is like this horrible thing and like people struggle with it but like we're kind of desensitized to heroin. So if it was just heroin or just drug, yeah. then we wouldn't be as... But there's this new thing on the street. Red death. It's It's red death. People are taking it, and it's killing people by the thousands. It's sort of injected so that we get this heightened sense. Ooh, this drugs are really bad. It's you even know, worse it's, than the bad ones. It's even worse than the bad I kind of hate it.
0: I almost wonder if they don't use like actual drugs because it hits too close to home and it that is
1: the other side of that like either we are too desensitized to it and we don't feel a full impact of how important this is right or how like fuck these people are or it's too sensitive to where we don't want to like we want to tell the story without people feeling like super traumatic about what they're seeing.
0: Right. And like I gives mean, gives
1: a little bit of a barrier between reality and fiction. It's an imaginary kind of drug story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I think part of it, too, is like right now, one of the things that like ripped right out of the headlines is um, so many people are dying of drug overdoses because things are being cut with fentanyl. So like. There, there you go. That's red death right there. It's anything yep. you take that's been cut with fentanyl. And all the, oh my God, the high was amazing. Oh, I know something's wrong. Like, so that in a weird way for me did hit close to home because yeah. I listened to last podcast on the left and they do occasionally shout out, like, you know, get your tester kits. If you're out there in like partying and stuff, make sure you yeah. have a test kit because people are dying. So, yeah. but I also think, you know, like if you had changed red death to uh, the, the most harrowing part the the most harrowing drug part of this movie is when Mary takes Oxycontin or Vicodin yeah. or uh, yeah. you know, Valium or whatever it is they give her, but the fact that it's just a simple white pill, mm-hmm. it's not red death. It's not some imaginary drug. We see a character that we care about take a drug that we know to exist in the real world and we see yeah. the real world effects of that. And that's where this yeah. movie kind of drifts from that more I'm gonna say psychedelic. Some parts of this mm-hmm. film are psychedelic for sure. Oh, very, very it, much so. It almost like drifts out of that like hyper reality into that gritty taxi driver mm-hmm. real world. Like mm-hmm. the thing that makes taxi driver timeless, yes, the Travis Bickle character is incredible. The fact the fact that we get to see him like hallucinating and losing his grip on reality is incredible, but really it's Jodie Foster that makes that movie mm-hmm. because her role is so harrowing and horrific and real. It's that fifteen. I think she's fourteen in that movie. Fourteen, Jesus Christ, man! But I mean, but that's one of her lines. How old do you want me to Mm be? Like, like that really. The what makes Taxi Driver unlike this movie, even though there are so many similarities. It's a dude who can't sleep. (laughs) A dude who's going off the rails. You know. Yeah. what makes it unlike that is Taxi Driver stays really real the whole time. When people mm-hmm. are doing drugs, it's drugs you know. When we're seeing like street sex work, it is portrayed in the most brutal and and honest for Scorsese's vision and probably honest for that time period. Yeah. You know, like it's so real that it almost hurts to watch whereas this one has it's it is a like a manic energy to it that keeps it bouncing along even mm-hmm. when we're looking at horrible stuff and and that's right. actually why I think I prefer this movie, you know. I really love Bringing Out the Dead. This is one of my, I think this is like top 2 or top 3 Scorsese movies for me. Um the the back and forth. So they we get back The Last Call of the Night is Mookie. We see him have his sleepless night, and then he's mm-hmm. back in the next night and it's the captain. Hey Frank, it's my He c- so wants to be fired. Dude, that's the I thing my- that I
1: love it's like i'm fu- i'm a wreck i'm fucked up i wrecked an ambulance last night yeah like it went ass over tea kettle into the middle of the street and almost exploded yeah you should really fire me i, I, I don't he's like i can't i'll fire you tomorrow
0: listen can't to me i fire you today listen though. to me i promise hey i'll make it up to you next time i see you i'll fire you i'll but fire you there's this great <laughs> moment in the beginning where he goes frank what are you doing to me you're late all right, come on. You gotta get. You know, we need you. We need you to get in there. You're with. I can't remember what Ving Rhames' character's name is, but uh, right. it, it's uh Marcus. He's like, you're with Marcus tonight. And he goes, Captain, no, Captain. You swore, you swore. The next time I was late, you would fire me. What? You know what? The higher ups. I listen to me. Listen to me, Frank. I went to bat for you. I'm just the higher. The higher ups. They said, hey. He's got this record of tardiness. We got to let him go. And you know what I said to them? I said, stick it up your ass. He's one of the best drivers I got. I went to the mat for you. Nicholas Cage is so fucking upset. He's like, he's like, captain, captain, sometimes they can't, he goes, they can't, they can't fire me. You got to do it. You got to just man up and fire me. He goes, I'll fire you tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You swore captain. You swore. He's banging his hand on the desk. Gives him the keys. He's like, just one more knife. Do do it as a favor Four. to me. You do it as a favor. I'll You know what? How about I front you? you. What does he say? I'll, I'll front you a week of vacation time. Yeah. He goes, a week's not going to cover it. Come on, Frank. A week's not going to cover it. Gives him the keys. I love you. I will, as a favor to you, the next time I see you, you're fired. I'll fire <laughs> you. <laughs> and then he gets, the, he gets in the ambulance with Marcus. And he, he turns to him. He's smiling. He's happy as shit. And he goes, "Captain almost fired me tonight. I'm on my way. Now. I'm on my way out. Anytime when now."
1: He, he walks out. It's towards the end where, like, Nicholas Cage is walking either in or out of. Of the hospital, and Tom Sizemore is just beating the shit out of the front of one of the ambulances. That's the, the very hat. end. That's the very, yeah. very end of they the movie. They don't even
0: make mention that like, no one says anything about it. It's no, not talked about. It's just like, well, Tom
1: Sizemore is just Die! died, like,
0: died. Die. He's <laughs> beating the shit.
1: <laughs> Why is Origin opening up? What the fuck is happening? I don't know. Is
0: it a game? Are you? Do you if you need to do some gaming.
1: Oh, apparently, I'm about to play Command and Conquer. Hold on, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Um, I, you know, like so. This is where we're introduced to Marcus, the the cigar smoking Ving Rhames, Marcellus Wallace himself. Um, their first call is this Goth Club, and. This legitimately might be one of my favorite scenes in the whole fucking movie cuz he's Ving Rames, he had we find out through their conversation. Again, this is that thing where like people have Very a past, religious. people have a future. Yes, he and that we find out that religion, finding religion is what um pulled him out of burnout. That of he the burnout. he yep. also suffered from burnout. He heard voices. Actually, there's an implication that at least two other EMTs have also kind of had a jag like Nicholas Cage is having. Yeah. There no one else but him is in it at that moment, but they all have their little bits of advice. John Goodman's coping mechanism is one day he's gonna be chief. I'll be calling the shots. Yeah. Marcus's v- Ving Rams's is uh
1: Found the you know, Lord, and it's all he
0: found the Lord, and he's got this little thing with the, one of the dispatchers, which doesn't go well at all. But no, you know, so he's for
1: either of them really,
0: yeah, he's he's found his way to cope. Tom Sizemore just dives into the job wholeheartedly. He's always yeah. looking, he's found a way to love the blood rather than mm-hmm. he dehumanizes the job, essentially. Yeah, and we're watching Nicolas Cage try and figure out his own path out of his burnout, and it's really interesting. But um, they get to this goth club and they go and there's this guy on the floor and you know like he's dead man he's been dead for like 10 minutes nicolas cage goes down and feels catches a pulse and goes he looks up and quietly to marcus is just like no man it's just a it's just a, an overdose i'll get the narcan and they grab the narcan and ving Rhames is like going to give all these kids god because he's like all right well they, the kid is safe they're going to give him narcan he's going to pop right. out of it and they basically all right. yeah they know he's good so ving Rhames is like Hold on, I actually pulled up the quote. Uh, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> so, Vingrams Rams is like, I re- "All right, everybody, we gotta hold hands." And they hold all, hands. We
1: gotta pray for him. Yeah, we get we, the Holy Spirit in there. Yeah, we gotta
0: get we gotta get the gotta get the Holy Spirit involved. Uh, and he goes, "All right, everybody, hold hands." What's his name? All right, I rebuke the spirit of drugs in the name of Jesus. And then he turns to the girlfriend who What's is there. His What's his name? I be the drummer. He's in a band, so the drummer goes, "I be banging." What you mean, I be banging? I be banging. What the hell kind of name is I be banging? I be Baba Yaga banging. I don't know his real name, girlfriend. It's Frederick Smith. Okay, Freddie. It's Frederick. Okay, I be banging. We're gonna bring (laughs) you. (laughs) We're gonna bring you back from the dead. Dear Lord, here I am asking one more chance for a sinner. Please, Lord, bring back Ib Bang and Lord. <laughs> you have the power, Jesus. You have the might. You have the super light to spare this worthless man. <laughs> and then Ni- Nicholas Cage hits him with the Narcan.
1: Jesus Christ! <laughs> Hitting him
0: with the Narcan. Hits him with the Narcan, and Ib Bang and sits up. <gasps> And Marcus goes Praise Yeah everybody <laughs> freaks All the punk kids are like Holy shit and Marcus goes Rise up I be banging And start your new life anew Lord oh thank you lord <laughs> I,
1: I do remember one of my notes That was all caps Was like rise up I be banging Rise up
0: I be banging And start your life anew <laughs> It's just one of the fucking funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie dude I love that too I don't know his real name It's Frederick Okay Freddie. Uh, Frederick Okay, I'd be right, banging. Be banging. <laughs> Just dives right back in. Um, and then they they bring that guy, but that doesn't count for Nicolas Cage's streak because no. the guy was not he in cardiac dead. arrest. He wasn't dead. No. He was fine. Um, And then as they're driving in the car, like, so we get a lot of funny bits. Ving Rhames is definitely like, he helps us through the second act slump. That That's one thing that a lot of movies suffer from is you get to act two and there's a lot of action happening but there's always that moment where like there's the there's the little saggy belly.
1: Yep, little bloop.
0: before you get to the okay, now it's time to ramp up for the climax. Yeah. And I think this is perfectly handled. You just you get a guy in there who's comic relief, who's a top shelf actor has of all the actors in this, the best chemistry with Nicolas Cage. Those two dudes, man. I mm-hmm. will watch them on screen all day long. He has a he has good advice for Nicolas Cage. He goes, "Everybody's going to go through a stretch where people die on you. Just don't meditate on it." And that's that's his like his take. But then I'm pretty sure this is where we get the the they deliver the babies in the in that um like abandoned just, tenement.
1: Because yeah, that's where my head was going. It's like that is for me is the
0: most for
1: the Nicolas Cage's character is the most heartbreaking moment of the whole thing. Right. Right. Where one saves the other doesn't like
0: mine's good. Then... How's yours? I mean, we turn and it's like gray, and Nicolas Cage is already working on it. And actually, this is kind of an interesting bit where reality gets blurred a little. Earlier, they're talking about there's a bunch of EMTs sitting around, and they're like, Hey, have you ever performed CPR? And they're talking about, I would never, man. That's how you get Not AIDS. On a baby, yeah. And Nicolas Cage goes, and they go, How about you? And he goes, Yeah, once on a baby. And this other guy says, A baby's a whole different thing. And th- here we see Nicolas Cage performing CPR on a baby as he's bringing yeah. it into. Misery, you know, which, wrapped
1: in wrapped in the the heat foil and the, right, just right. It's, it's heavy. Stuff.
0: It's super heavy. And then um it's right after. I think it's pretty sure it's right after that that he gets pizza with Patricia Arquette. And this mm-hmm. is a, this is a phenomenal scene. There's a very weird shot and cut here, and I want to talk about it. Do you remember the weird th- triple edit that happens as he's talking mm-hmm. to Patricia Arquette? So he's sitting with Patricia Arquette, and they've got the pizza between them, and. Um, this, this is during the conversation where, uh, he's, he, you know, oh, you're from here too. What neighborhood? Right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Where'd you go to school? Oh, I went to school here. Yep. Oh yeah. I went to school here. And you remember that little pizza place, with the little saints in with the pie. And it's a really cool humanizing moment, but there's a shot in the middle of it. Cause Patricia Arquette's struggling with the fact that no one can give her answers about her father. He hasn't right. woken up yet um she just wishes that she could know like what is, they keep shocking him and shocking him and shocking him and then there's this moment where we get three shots of Patricia Arquette's face and it's a it's fade cuts where it's like we see her face mm, we see yeah. one profile another profile and then the like scene continues it's really unusual it's out of nowhere it doesn't really look
1: it feels like it's out of another movie like stylistically right cuz it's 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 I, I remember the shot yeah, now yeah 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 it's seems really strange
0: it feels more like something you would see in like a jarmish film or yeah. like a like a Reffin film or mm-hmm. somebody somebody who's it seems experimental or like maybe out of place. When I first saw it, my initial gut reaction was like, "That's kind of film school." That's, yeah. Oh, mm, yep. There it is. And I was like, "Is like, what's what's that about?" But then I watched this movie three times. Well, I, the first night I watched it with my mom, and then I watched it for the show, and then a lot of time passed, and I watched it again so I could be kind of fresh for this one. And I struggled to to determine why Scorsese would do that. That shot. That it's moment, yeah. so fucking. Left field, even for this movie, there's nothing else in this movie that's even remotely close to that series of cuts. And I thought, is this showing Nicolas Cage's uh, like his mental state? Are we, we've seen him have little glitches, little slips in reality. Mm-hmm. Is this one of those? Is this showing that? We've, see, we've also seen he'll see a person, they turn their head, and then it turns into Rose. Are we seeing all three angles to show that in this moment he is seeing, Only her? seeing her? But I, what I honestly think it is, and I, I'm, what I came down on is I genuinely believe that, that that weird three shot is here. I think the effect is twofold. First, it shows us that he's really seeing her, there are no ghosts deluding this person. There's not a sh- Wherever
1: you look it's just her, yeah. Right. This
0: is not a shade in a world of shadows but a genuine connection outside the medical world in this quiet Cesora in the middle of all the madness that is misery. And I think second and most importantly, it's a heads up to the audience to draw our attention to the next line because the conversation mm-hmm. so far has been, where'd you go to school? You know, the little human moments, but not, we're not, maybe, maybe some of us are kind of like just going through this scene and I think it might be like, heads up, listen to this. Pay
1: attention, pay attention, pay attention. And then yeah.
0: maybe the most important line in the movie, you have to keep the body going until the brain and the heart recover enough to go on their own. Right. And I really kind of think it's like a way to underscore that that line. You know, it's like, all right, pay attention. And then the right. next line is that. So which is so like,
1: interesting. It's such an interesting choice. Yeah, right. I, I uh, don't
0: dislike it. I don't because dislike you it. have
1: you have just because you're right. The what they're talking about doesn't really matter for us for anything. Right? Sure. They're just it's literally small talk, boring, small talk right in the middle of your picture where you're already kind of slowing down for that ramp up for the third act. Sure. And they're talking about what high school you went to. But, yeah, that that does sort of jar you. Like, what's happening? Why are we doing this? Suddenly, now you're paying attention because you do a little – you tune out. It's two people having pizza, talking about where they fucking went to high school.
0: It is a I very understand. New York moment, I though. Don't give
1: a shit. But <laughs> it is. It is a very. But like yeah. for for an audience, for a general audience, right? You're like, right, right. You're gonna tune out. But you see something. Like why are we doing? It does. It kind of calls your attention to the scene, for that moment to to be recognized. Maybe I don't know. It's just it's just a very interesting choice to do that.
0: I mean, and then there's right after they share that little moment, there's the big, there's the screaming down the hall. Like we hear, you know, Mm -hmm. it's chaos and misery, honestly. It's always full and everything's going nuts. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Oh, she hanging out back there. I think it's interesting how Patricia Arquette words her line. Her, cause her dad is in this hospital recovering in the ICU, but we hear like Mm -hmm. screaming and banging and the rattling of, you know, like gurneys being drawn by. And someone is screaming in rage and she turns to Nicolas Cage and she says, Is it always this bad here? How does anybody survive? And Nicolas <laughs> Cage says, Well, it's been bad lately, but it's it's always bad. And they're not maybe they're yeah. not talking about the hospital. Is it always this bad here? How does anybody survive? And also one of the things that the movie kind of like really underscores for you is nobody does survive. No, not not in the long view, you know. Not like, the living and not the dying either. It's I mean, Jim Morrison, man. No one here gets out alive. Yep. That's that's how this that's how this game works. Sorry. They're but, right. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting, dude. And then the next thing is that he, now they're now they formed a connection. They know where they're from, and she is having her own kind of burnout a short a shorter time frame burnout. But she, dude, she's she's been it's been every day in the hospital every mm-hmm. day talking like trying to get something out of her dad so this is when they go to Cy Coates and get the get the drugs get and the I stuff I love that uh, the bit in and she
1: has them wait out there and then she was never coming back out
0: I think she knew that though like think yeah. think about how she set that up you know I got to go visit my friend if I'm not out in 15 minutes 10 minutes, minutes whatever, yeah. come up and get me or no, uh, just be here so that I can have I can say that someone's waiting for me and I can go out
1: and they, I can look out the window and see you there and
0: so I they'll I, know that I can go. I think yeah. that this is really interesting because it she is going to go up there and she's maybe trying to resist the temptation, but what she does is she builds a fail safe into her going to this drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I'm she not has, out, she has an out. Yeah, I, I, if I'm not out in ten minutes, come get me. And then so, you know, she goes in and she, there's no way she's going to be out in 10 minutes. Mm-mm. So maybe some part of her was like, maybe I'll just go in and get uh, something to take home or maybe I'll get a joint or maybe I'll go in or maybe I won't go through the door or maybe I won't do this. But the, the part of her that doesn't want to relapse has been like, but if I do, someone's going to come and I get me so this. I don't just stay here forever. So that right. I'm not lost forever. She, Nicholas Cage, she leaves a coil of rope within reach, so that yeah. even if she fails, even if she falls back into this, he'll be there to pull her out. I, yeah. I really thought that her motivation for the instructions that she gives him are because really even
1: because even like the logic of it makes sense, but also because in that state you're like you're she. I don't think she's even really sure why in that moment. She why. Just wants she, right? him there. She just she knew consciously or subconsciously that like you said something is going to happen upstairs or it won't right i'm but, gonna give myself this coil of rope yeah as an escape I, plan in case something but it's all so clouded and so like her brain is just fucked at this point oh my god But yeah. there's enough of her in there to know that that is the correct choice to make to like have this out to ask him for help
0: and kind of watching her like rattle and shake apart
1: yeah because
0: she's really on the precipice and there's a sense as she as they make their way there she's like every step you can see like that energy that jitters that weird Mm -hmm. like rush where she's like oh god am i gonna am i gonna go do that go i want it i want it i want it but then also the fear of like what am i doing what am i doing what am i doing and it comes out in the elevator when she punches the door and yes She's really good, man. Patricia yeah. Arquette is really good in this. Like yeah. amazing. Um so Nicolas Cage comes in and he does initially let her sleep, maybe sucked in a bit by Cy mhm like the weird rap that he spins him, but uh they give Nicolas Cage that one pill. And it's like Mandy light, you know. We get to see him go yeah. on his weird drug trip thing and he's looking at the fish, but I love the practical tableau where like the assistant leans against the wall and sigh is over leaning by the fish tank and then scorsese there's candles lit on the table and scorsese brings the lights down mm-hmm. as to represent like nicolas cage is fading into the drug room but he does that that lighting pull my god man when they they do this this fade into this tableau and i said scorsese shoots a hell of a movie Mm -hmm. And then they go back to her place together, both of them having gone to a drug house and done drugs. And uh, he I love that line when he wakes up and she's already gone and he goes into her bathroom and the line is the voiceover. So he he does sleep. He does sleep, but it is a narcotized sleep. He takes a drug and That's sleeps. That's fair. That's but, fair. Yeah. I mean, okay. That casting that aside, you're right. But where does he sleep? He doesn't sleep in his own place. He's he's on a
1: couch in her house. In her house. And he, she's didn't want him there. It's like you need to leave. You need to go. And he's like, I'm just gonna like fall asleep here.
0: And All she right. was. She also is like, when she gets back, the next time they see each other, she's like, Hey, sorry about how I was yesterday. Right. You know, like I was just having a hard time and. She's glad that he stayed there and slept. Ultimately, she just wants right. him gone initially because she's pissed that he wrecked her drug trip. But yep. um, I love his line: "I wash my face with three different kinds of soap that all smell like different seasons." It's Such a good one. Um, then we get uh, he, now he's now he's at the end of his rope, man. He's truly at the end of his rope. We get a uh, th- we've already had the Ving Rhames ambulance crash where he walks away and says he's going to quit. He walks in. Captain won't fire him We have another funny no. thing with the captain And then he gets paired up with Tom And Tom is the one who's like He beats up Noah, or Noel in the yeah. back of the ambulance He's always looking for blood he, We get the sense that he's like He's good at his job But he's not a good person he's, no. he's a violent, cruel person It's, you know, like, okay The worst depiction of like a brutal police officer That you normally see in a movie that's this guy, but he's an EMT.
1: He's an EMT. Yeah. And I'm
0: not talking about cops in re- real life, although they're, no, know, no, no. we've seen lots of that. But, like, when you see the really violent, abusive cop in a film.
1: Yeah, the dirty cop. Yeah, in, exactly. It's in, it, in film and television.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. exactly. Like, di- dirty cop one or violent cop one. You know, right. like, that's Tom Sizemore, <laughs> but he's got an EMT coat on. My it's only credit
1: up. on IMDb, racist cop. <laughs> like,
0: Great. Yeah, that guy's career right now, eh? Shit. But uh, yeah, man. So I don't know anything about him personally, so I can only talk about his performance.
1: No, I'm, I'm not. Going and we and we know don't know. We did
0: no research. Perhaps he donates a lot of money to St. Jude's all the time. I,
1: also, I feel like an asshole if that's the case. <laughs> Sorry, Tom.
0: Well, if if you're wrong, we'll do a Tom well. Sizemore month, and if you're not wrong, we won't. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love him. Uh, I love him in the back. You know, it's. You know, oh, we're in the old girl today. I, You know how many years I've tried to kill this thing, and it just will not die. And you have to respect that. And they get in there, and Nicolas Cage crawls into the back. Gives him, what is he, what are you doing back there? Ugh, oh, I'm sick, Tom. Just got to get the cure. B vitamins, a little saline, just a drop of adrenaline crawls back into the front yeah he has
1: the mask on the, the mask
0: carrying an oxygen tank he hangs an iv yeah. bag for himself he goes sobriety's killing me i need a drink <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got your stash of course i do come More on nice I, Rhames that yeah that.
0: with ving rames he goes i know you're holding come on we it's it's two o'clock the bar's open, baby. Gives that's another thing is we find out that Nicolas Cage is a he's a he's a true alcoholic in the sense that he drinks every night on the clock. T- yeah. Tell him we can't take it. Tell him we're too drunk. Cause like New York is so fucking wild you could just be like, listen, we're hammered, we can't do any more calls. We and they still, more calls. Yeah. they still won't fire you. They still won't fire you. But um tell him we're too drunk.
1: Kind of like how hiring is in Traverse City right now.
0: Uh, yeah, basically, if you can, if you can like maintain eye contact for a couple seconds, and you are only briefly asleep during the interview, hired. hired.
1: <laughs> God damn it! I wish I were joking.
0: I know, like honestly, it's it's kind of it's like that. It is truly like that right now dude, in TC, dude. Yeah.
1: On the record, off the record, after next week, when we lose the rest of our students, we will have one employee left that isn't a supervisor.
0: See we're we're going through a little spate of hiring as well right now and I'm optimistic but at the same time to be honest with you we've done this before and it'll be like let's do the training well where are they it's their first shift they're not answering uh, their no, phone no, no. And there, we yeah, exactly. never hear from them again it's like God how the fuck does this keep happening ghosted
1: post hiring anyways
0: yeah it's carl what's the what's our catchphrase for the last 8 years we lived wild times man wild times wild, wild times, times. All right, so Sizemore's got another pretty good line here. They get they get called to a dude who's slit his wrists with the, you know and he's he's drunk and they one thing this movie really does and it it grinds on you a little bit, but it should is a lot of the calls are homeless people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. And uh, it's fucked up to like see the see the living conditions that that are being presented to us and seeing these suffering people brought in to save them, and then what's what's that one guy? There's one guy who calls every week.
1: Mm-hmm. The yeah. smelly guy? Yeah. Like the, yeah.
0: And it's just, a, you know, like, and, oh, we've got a report of a man. He's fallen down and hurt his head, and he smells terrible, and everyone knows who it oh is. Ah, it's Jim. Yep, That there's Jim. Yep, Joel Stinky. He has a name, but I can't remember what it is. I didn't yeah, write it like, down. It's,
1: it's something like Stinky Jim or something, like,
0: they they call him like oh oh or whatever because he's he always goes like oh 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 oh, oh, oh. yeah it, no no not tonight come on John Goodman he uh, hates yeah. dealing with this guy but they get yeah. called to this guy who like got drunk and slit his wrists and they get out there and th- th- there's they're not his wrists are okay you know he didn't he didn't cut that deep they're just gonna bandage him up and he'll probably be fine but they get him into the ambulance and Tom's like oh, you want to die you really want to die and the guy goes yes and he goes All right, I got something for you. Come with me, buddy. We'll get you set up. He takes him to the ambulance and he sticks the little—he sticks one of those sticky pads that you put on for like EKGs and shit. Mm -hmm. Sticks it to his forehead and he goes, "All right, this is a very experimental drug from NASA. Our astronauts have been using it for years. Your suicidal thoughts will disappear, but if it turns green, you have to see a doctor. The side effects could be fatal." You have. To, I think at one point he says you have to leave it on for at least twenty four hours. The guy's just sitting there with this fucking monster sticky stick he stuck to his head, and he looks so. And he goes, and he's just sitting there. And then Nicolas Cage jumps in the ambulance, and he holds his hand finger up to Tom, and the Tom's like, "All right, what color did I say? Cream, cream, cream. You said cream, green, green. I said green, like the cream. Like what are you fucking talking about?" And Nicolas Cage pulls out his folding knife, and he goes. You know what? This is the sorriest suicide attempt I've ever seen. All these people in New- and he's genuinely mad at this guy. Mm-hmm. Like the, the thought of suicide appalls him, and partly why it does is because that's the the overarching situation he's dealing with with Patricia Arquette's father. And yeah. he's like, all these people in, uh, all these people die every day, murdered and of disease, and all they want to do is live, and you can't even kill yourself, right? This is despicable. Next time you cut, it's not across; it's up and down like this. Hands him, goes to hand him the knife. Take it, take it. Kill yourself. And the guy goes, he's got the sticky on his fucking head. And he goes, I can't, I can't. And then he's like, he's like, take that knife, and he runs, bolts out into the night. And Tom Sizemore is, Nicholas Cage is like genuinely crushed, and Tom Sizemore is laughing hysterically. Yep. Did the, the fucking energy? Okay. All all about the man aside, like good performance. He's good, oh, absolutely a thousand percent. Yeah. I I try to do it all the time, even if the person is a piece of shit. And a oh lot, yeah, it's you got. I I want to just approach the film, you know, like dude. Yeah. T- Tom yeah. Sizemore is very good in this movie, and the and the chemistry between he and Nicolas Cage. That like undercurrent of. And we get there's a lot of implication that these two dudes used to be like the dream team back in the day, like the partners, like just like yeah. old times, you and me, buddy. And Nicholas Cage is well beyond that now, and he has just a, like Bolivia. He's yeah, kind of dude. He's got a he has a marked distaste for this man now, but he's just trying to hang on. But yeah. then there is a certain point where it, it's. Oh, no. It's with Tom it's with Tom and he plays a guy named Tom Tom Weller in the movie so I, that's yeah. that's a character name too but there's a moment with Tom where Nicolas Cage goes over the edge and that's it's probably when the adrenaline hits man he's just that's mm-hmm. when he's all drive we got to keep moving tom find us something find us something
1: we're like sharks in the water
0: yeah man um I said I love the cinematography that they're shooting in this ambulance. And it's when they've, they've got the Clash, that second Clash song going. It's just got that really manic 70s punk. And we're, we've got red light. We've got like they're bathed in red light. If you've seen any like stills from the film online, it's usually one of those shots usually where the that, whole yeah. thing is washed in the color of blood. We're getting clipped frames. We're getting New York City club rock. We're shooting the ambulance upside down as it drives through the sky. It's just the way that it's shot is like it is like a like a cocaine high man they are just fucking ripping and their next call is the the drug dealer's address and nicholas yep. cage recognizes he says take that one and of course tom loves it because it's there's a shooting a dude impaled on a fence and lots a, of blood lots of blood yes lots of blood. it's Woo. disgusting but that is his thing he's like He's like I'm going to go and deal with this guy over here jumped off a balcony shattered both legs and dragged himself in his own blood until he passed out. Oh, and then uh what is it Nicholas Nicholas Cage he's clipped in, right? Yeah. Nicholas Cage is clipped into the wall cuz they're on like they're on like the 15th floor and Yeah,
1: they're 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 up there. They're and up one, there,
0: and once again we get the we get the that uh that moral question cuz the crowd down below this guy's a drug dealer. Let him yep. die. Let him fall. Fuck this guy. And Nicolas Cage is up here trying to save this guy's we gotta life. Save him. And all the other people that he's tried to save, no one was even there to care really, except for you know the one guy who wasn't dead. You know, I'd be banging. Right. But everybody else, that's like isolated incidents. Even Rose, to some extent, is with mm-hmm. two of her friends on the street, but there's no crowd. These are just little people. This is a guy who actually is hurting this community only detrimental to the world currently and no one wants him there everybody is the calling for his death saves. and he's the one that nicholas cage saves it's interesting it's a really yeah. interesting movie so we we a, as they're driving after this there's kind of like this he's he's exhausted from what's happened with si they're driving and he has a really bad break with reality he starts seeing rose's face everywhere and um we finally get what happened with rose originally and this is fucking awesome. Did you notice that they shot the whole scene backwards and then played it forwards? No. When you watch this scene, the snow, the, what tipped me off is the snow is falling up into the sky. What the fuck? So during the flashback, hey, Bird. Hi, Bird. During the uh, during the flashback, the snow is falling upwards into the sky, and then as soon as I saw that, I started paying attention. Watch it again. Just whenever you get All a right. chance, watch that scene again. John Goodman when he puts when he takes the ear when he puts the ear things in his ear. I'm what watching
1: the Batman again as soon as we're done.
0: Yeah, here, how, f- just so you know, how fucking awesome is that movie? Third right? <laughs> it's my favorite.
1: Fucking, I want to take a nice languorous afternoon nap. Movie now it's replaced Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's my perfect nap movie. Bird, I fucking love it. Bird
0: and I are halfway through the extended cut of The Return of the King. I bought her all the extended editions for her birthday. Dude, those movies are so good. But fucking great. so yeah. the bit, this bit here, when they're doing the intubation, if you watch, there's there's a weird stuff going on. Like when when John Goodman take like puts the earpieces in his ears, if you watch it, it's very obvious that what he actually is doing there is pulling them out. And putting it oh around his neck God. and they just play it in reverse because he does the like rip, rip, rip tips his head as he puts him in when they're talking they they dub the lines but as they're saying their lines you can tell their mouths they're speaking their lines in reverse mm. so this is a straight lift from twin peaks of course mm-hmm. the famous like you gum me like is coming back in yeah. style and it it it's a it's a Brilliant lift by Martin Scorsese because the whole purpose of having them do that in reverse was to create that dreamlike sense of unreality. Weird. And I'm and in no way am I like what a ripoff. Where couldn't he be no, original? No, 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 no. There's Such... a
1: big, there's a big difference between a lift and a
0: steel, I think. Yeah, this for me this was this is he's using a tool that David Lynch yep. discovered. You know, like David yeah. Lynch discovered a new color in Martin Scorsese's painting with it, and it's yep. fucking awesome. The scene with Rose. paleo blue, exactly, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I mean, the red room is what it is. You know, it's yeah, red room yeah. red, red red room red, red room That's red, a
1: red rum red.
0: So after basically after this, Nicolas Cage is all the way fried out. This is when he's yeah. like, "All right, come on, we got to keep moving. We got to let's let's break something." And Tom started to realize that, okay, like, look, I'm all for blood and stuff, but like, we can't we can't go break something. We're EMTs, right? You know, like we, we go and see broken stuff because broken stuff fucking awesome, but we don't we don't really do that unless do the thing. And then yeah. he goes, "But do you want to?" Because Tom is violent. As we've yeah. seen earlier when he's beating on Noel. And then he finds they find Noel. And Noel is breaking... He's uh, he's basically fight clubbing it. Walking down yeah. the street and smashing up cars. And uh, he's like, oh, this guy's perfect, man. Look at him. He's a menace. Well, he's, it's not his fault. He's sick. No, you tell me that's sick. This is cold. Calculated. And Noel is literally... He seems fine. He's It does seem like he's just sowing chaos. But we know better because we've seen Noel we've for seen the him. whole movie we so far. We know
1: him, yeah.
0: So... They they chase Noel basically down into like the basement or like this back alley, this kind of weird like hell space where there's fires and Nicholas Cage is not doing well. He's like seeing things that aren't there and he's mm-hmm. just, but we're also man, that scene when that first moment when he goes down the stairs and he looks to the left and he sees just those eyes buried in garbage and it's a homeless person that's like both yeah. camouflaging themselves but trying to stay warm, that's fucked up. Because the scene is kind of presented with this energy of like, come on, come on, Frank, get with the program. And there's like this, Tom Sizemore's got this real energy going on. He's like, yeah, we're going to, all right, now we're going to chase Noel down. And it seems like... Like, um, not fun in games, because the whole idea here is they're going to beat Noel up.
1: Yeah, they're going to beat him to death, pretty much.
0: I don't know if to death is the implication, but when we... Well,
1: when you're going to go in to beat somebody, that's going to be a potential outcome.
0: For sure, for sure. They're <laughs> you know they're, they're going to do some kind of violence to Noel. The first time I watched it, my maybe it's because they're EMTs, and I don't see that. I, I can't. My brain did not jump to, like, they're going to murder a homeless person for fun. Yeah. It was like, this guy's got to come, and we're going to beat this guy a little bit. And for a little bit, Nicolas Cage kind of goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he sees, he sees those eyes under the trash, and he sees, like, the squalor and the despair. And then he, see, he hears Rose's voice, I think. And then he turns the corner, and Noel hits him and then lands on the ground, and Tom is beating Noel with a baseball bat. Yeah. And would have killed him, like almost dead. And Nicolas Cage gets down, go get the kit. I swear to God I'll call for fucking backup, you know, and then, of course, it'll come out that Tom did this. So not only does he save the drug dealer that night, he also saves Noel, and he saves Mm -hmm. Noel from Tom.
1: Yep. I think from another EMT. Yeah. yeah,
0: So that, what that, what I think that shows us is that one one isn't maybe an outlier, but now he's got a streak. Yep. He's, yeah. Ooh, I didn't. mm. So like, you know, he's
1: two for two now, baby.
0: He's two for two. And, you know, like that gives him the strength to do what we see in the next scene, which is he goes into the ER and finds out what room mary's father has been brought to and then this is by the way did you notice that the the night nurse in that that hospital wing is carla espinoza from scrubs
1: oh i never really watched Scrubs. Oh, these and i can't stand, uh zach braff so i stopped okay watching.
0: fair you know totally fair i personally i'm a big i like them i like i like scrubs a lot that for me was one of my all-time favorite weed shows Little bit, of, little bit of weed. I can
1: understand it. I can see it.
0: Funny, I can see but it. The but there's office
1: for me. Yeah, up, you know, you. I've
0: okay. I've got the office there as well. But the all-time best one, Meerkat Kingdom. If you're High. Just watch Meerkat Kingdom. Those little fuckers <laughs> are so cute. Woo! They're telling <laughs> stories. Um, but he he goes upstairs and he finds the bed and he's allowed access because he's the EMT driver who brought this right. guy in. And he walks he's in. Not my patience. Yeah, knows. yeah. Is he up here? Yeah. Oh, you brought him in. Okay, sure. She goes in pulls the curtain and sits down and he looks at this guy and like, this is it for everyone. I, I don't know. You could say the climax of the movie is the beating of Noel because it's that high energy moment. You could, you know, like there's, nah, this there's, is it, baby. or the guy, uh, yeah. Or the guy like on the pole because that it's, there's all this adrenaline, but really this is the climax because this is the highest emotional and moral point of the, of the film. And he's sitting here looking at this guy who's been shocked that night, eighteen times, and do you, you see the uh, you see the little pacemaker?
1: Yep, they've got him. It's shocking him.
0: Well, they they there is a moment earlier where he flatlines, and Nicolas Cage shocks him, and then the main mm. doctor who works in the misery ER comes comes in, and he's like, "Yeah, we've had to shock this. Call this guy, like the electrical man. We've had to shock him sixteen times, eighteen times tonight." And Nicolas Cage goes, "We should just send him home with a." Send him home with a defibrillator. He can do it himself. <laughs> but he's clearly like fucked up by what he's hearing. Yeah. And the doctor goes, "Yeah, yeah, right. Good one, Frank. But probably what we'll do is we'll surgically implant one right here. And they literally surgically implant a defibrillator. So every time he flatlines, it just shocks, it shocks his heart him. until he comes back because it's hooked up to his heart monitor. So Nicolas Stop. Cage comes. This, think about that, dude. That's like, in depending. Obviously, ever. This is a very sensitive. It feels subject. like it's,
1: it feels like torture to me. Like I I see that too though.
0: But obviously this is a heavy this is this is people will probably have their own opinions about this. It's definitely a sensitive a sensitive issue, but like this guy's just been laying here getting defibrillated again and again and again and again. He's his he's not responsive, he's not waking up, he's essentially brain dead and then every time he flatlines now they've just got a machine that forces him alive it literally feels like not that. even
1: it's not even a human bringing him back anymore it's a machine it's doing just a it, machine like. in
0: his shoulder that's like shocking him and it feels like that scene in jacob's ladder where all the like eyeless doctor demons mm-hmm. are around him about to start working yep. on it. it feels like if you were trapped in that moment forever that's what this feels like to me and i think that's what it feels like to Nicolas cage and and whether or not he's psychic i think he has tuned into this man's bone weariness through mm-hmm. what he's heard about him, what he's learned about him, and through those little flashes of psychic or, or insight or whatever. Whatever that is, yeah. And what he, what he ends up doing, he unbuttons his shirt, and we see that he's got EKG pads under his clothing. And he takes the EKG leads off and hooks them up to himself to monitor his vitals, and he puts the pulse ox on his finger, and he takes the breathing tube out of the guy's mouth and puts it in his own mouth. And breathes on the intubator so that the intubator doesn't register any hitching or resistance, Mm -hmm. and he just wait, and then he just puts his fingers on that guy's wrist and just sits there until his pulse stops, and and the we do another one of those light pull downs to just bring a little bit of darkness over the body Mm -hmm. to show that that it was one of the, it was, oddly beautiful but also chilling to show like, with just that little dimming of the light just over the body animating spark has gone. It's a, it's beautiful. I started crying, dude. It is a really it's like, a really intense moment in the movie. And it's uh, this the that moment there. This whole movie is so excellent, but that moment you're going to give you're going to have that scene and that actor doing that work and you're not going to give this even a nod. That felt really that's this is an excellent film. Like that this to me was this is masterpiece stuff. Yeah. This is really truly masterpiece stuff. Um, Can't agree more. And that's um, that's pretty much my last note. He the the final denouement of the movie is it really does kind of have like a leaving leaving Las Vegas vibe. But it like does, a, it's it. like if leaving Las Vegas had a happy ending,
1: like if it, like, leaving Las he was just taking a nice much deserved nap. Right? The end yeah. Instead of fucking Ex- dying, dying midcoitus. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I know it's kind of heavy. <laughs> that was a really good movie too, though. Um, but when he he goes to see um he goes to see Mary to tell her that her father's died, and he he says he's sorry and but he's seeing Rose's face and I think this is yeah. really cool because every other time he's seen Rose's face he's heard Rose's voice, mm-hmm. except this time. This time That's we see Rose's married. face, yeah, and he's talking to Rose, and I think you can almost see in Rose's face that she see or in. In yeah, in Patricia yeah. Arquette as Rose's face that she yes. sees that he's not seeing her, but it's her voice that comes out of Rose's mouth, and he says, um, "It's not. It wasn't your fault. You're the one who chose to suffer." So, I don't know, man. Like, then he comes in, they lay down in bed, and he just falls asleep. They he mm-hmm. falls asleep leaning against her, and it's just, it's beautiful. It really is. It really, really is, and that—I mean—that's it. That's what I got for bringing out the dead. But, guys, I highly recommend this movie. Highly. I
1: was—I uh, was very surprised by how few bees uh, there were.
0: How few bees? What?
1: There were I get this in the Wicker Man confused. Apparently, there weren't as many bees. As- <laughs> With like, the, the joke sounded funnier in my head where if I just think there are bees in every
0: every Nicolas Cage movie. film? I mean, if I ever direct him in anything, I'll sneak in a hive.
1: Not as many explosions as uh many bees as I thought there would be.
0: I, I on I missed his long hair. I got so used yeah. to that like flowing, like mm. pseudo white trash, not quite. I appreciate
1: mo- that he didn't try to do a New York accent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, He's this is this there's the two Nicolas Cages. You got Nicolas Cage and then you got Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. This is a Nicolas Cage movie with yes. a lot of Nick Cage flavor.
1: Flavor? Yeah, I like that. I like it, that.
0: It really is. It really is awesome. If you haven't seen this, watch it. If you're a Scorsese fan or a Nicolas watch Cage it. fan, or yeah. if you like if you like medical dramas, I mean like seriously, just anybody. This is a really, really yeah. fucking good movie. And I can't believe i would never heard of it.
1: You're a Tom Sizemore fan.
0: Yeah, don't be. I mean, or do be. Get we it. or do be. We actually don't know. Do your own research. Let us know. Is Tom Sizemore a piece of shit, <laughs> or <a> good, <laughs> good, honest, hardworking American actor?
1: Let us know. Is Tom us us Sizemore know. a
0: piece of shit? Let us know. Is Tom Sizemore? <laughs> drop, <laughs> drop a like. Email us. Drop, yeah. Drop a drop a line to measuring podcast at gmail.com Subject: Sizemore piece of shit question mark.
2: Did a little research.
0: The headlines seem to suggest yes. Do that, don't do that, because he's probably awesome, but he might not be. Do your own research. <laughs> we're teaching you critical thinking skills, something this country is sadly lacking. No, but uh, we would like to, obviously, this movie is fucking awesome. Um, yeah. we're, we're rolling on through Nicolas Cage Month. we got two more to go. Nicolas um, Cage Month, that's hilarious. We're working. It's it's our Nicolas Cage series that has taken two season. months. The season. Nicolas Cage season. We're doing a seat, Dude, don't tempt me. Don't tell no, me, dude. I mean, I'll do it. Fucking season I'm six. Game. All Nicholas. Kid. He's got uh, enough. He's got yeah. enough. He had to pay yeah, his taxes. Does. So he's got like 99 99- credits. <laughs> um, But if you haven't seen the movie we're talking about next week, oh my fucking god. Was this Pig? Pig. Go yeah. rent. No, don't rent. Don't rent. That's stupid. Go and buy Pig. Watch Pig. Be ready for the conversation. This, uh, My mom, so I watched this one with my mom too, because she was like, "I'll watch whatever you're watching for the show," and she watched Pig with me. And uh, mom loves this movie. Mom says that. Mom says Pig is one of the best movies she's seen in years. I am inclined to agree. This I was not expecting the movie that we get. Pig is fucking awesome. So well, next week
1: that will be my watch now cuz we got to get that episode in. Yeah,
0: we're going to get we'll get Pig in super quick. I'm thinking early next week, but we can schedule that yep. off the air. Um so we'd love again, thank you so much to all of our patrons. You can uh, actually I just wrote a thing kind of about um my whole journey with mom this year and her her time with us uh, over on patreon.com slash quill and film q-u-i-l-l-a-n-d-f-i-l-m there's tons of free content over there full full episodes full series that we did um and then some of the stuff i've been writing lately is also not paywalled so just go and check that out um that's kind of it measuring clicks podcast at gmail.com we're watching pig next week and that's now we're done we haven't done the show in a long time, so I kind of but forgot.
1: How do, we, how do we? How do we get out of here? I forgot uh, there was a. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us for this crazy hell ride, of an ambulance ride, and we will see you when we are doing another movie. You're doing great. That you just told them about. You're doing awesome. It's gonna right? be. It's gonna be big. Keep going. And it's super, super spoilers. The last. Episode.